What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the Lights Out, brother. That's right. We are going unsanctioned. No rules. Hardcore. We're going all crazy here on the Lights Out, everybody. Because this is the first ever Lights Out Battle of the Halloween Havocs. That's right. We are taking two mega pay-per-views and clashing them up against each other. And we'll see who's going to come out the ultimate winner. So you can grab everything. Grab your, grab your uh, steel chairs. Grab your tables. Grab your coal miner's glove for some reason. Grab everything, brother. Because we're talking about all these Halloween Havocs. Jay Allison, James Klein. What's happening, Allison? How you feeling on this? Hey, hey man. What's up? Um, I am stoked about this. We've been talking about doing this for a long time. And now, finally, on Halloween Day, we are, we are, we are doing our Halloween Havoc. Uh, battle that is right everybody happy halloween everybody out there hope your halloween is going great and ours is about to get that much better because we are talking halloween havocs 1998 and 1992 and boy what different eras and what different types of shows so this is gonna be very fun of course myself i picked the uh, 1998 era which i'm gonna have a lot lot to talk about that and then, of course, Allison over here picked the 1992, which is going to have a lot to talk mm-hmm. about as well. So um, before we get started, like, is there any particular reason why you picked the 1992 Halloween Havoc? Well, um, I picked it because I was really honestly going back and forth between 92 and 93. Uh, both are really good shows. Both had really good wrestling on it. Uh, 93 almost won out because it has the uh, Cactus Jack Vader Ooh, yeah. uh, Texas death match. Um, but I really honestly picked this because um, uh, Jake Roberts was in the main event. Yes. And against Sting in a lights out match. And that, and there's also some re- other really, really incredibly good matches on this show. Um, and that's why it won out. Um, it's just a good era of WCW wrestling. Um, and yeah, that's basically why I picked it. Yeah, so you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of interesting seeing both eras because you you picked the Bill Watts era of WCW, which is yeah, it's it which is halfway controversial and then halfway like great, you know, because the thing about that I remember about the Bill Watts era is a lot of the people backstage and stuff didn't really like Bill too much because he was kind of like a hard ass and uh, he was trying to you know cut the budget a lot so there's a lot of like tension backstage when it comes to like the pay and everything but the quality of wrestling and the quality of storyline was there you know you didn't have a lot oh, of bullshit yeah. you didn't have a lot of bullshit with the bill bill, bill watts era <laughs> unlike the That's era true. that i'm in right now 1998 which is full of bullshit <laughs> which is full of bullshit but it did have some great characters like you got to admit, the 1998 era of WCW was fucking loaded. Like, they had so much talent on this just this show itself. It was for sure crazy. So, um, 
One thing about it too, though, is like you're the show you picked is loaded with bullshit during the. Uh, there was a lot of bullshit during this WCW era, but not nearly as much bullshit as there would be, which yeah, is astounding. True. Yeah, I know it's crazy. <laughs> Just imagine if we did like 2000 or 1998. Really, that'd been no tough. <laughs> yeah, I almost, I almost picked 2000, but I was like, I can't, I can't watch that again. So the reason I picked 1998, so that this is where I started watching wrestling for the first time was in 1998 so 1998 always has a special place in my heart because that's you know the 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 year that i actually started watching wrestling very seriously um i was more of a wwf fan at this particular point um but i did watch a lot of wcw and um you know a couple things i just want to talk about before we go on to the to the battle like a little personal stuff you know i think i, I might have talked about this before and i want to get your thoughts on on your first memories of, of wrestling too. Um, but so I, I, I was, I always find like my stories is a little interesting of how I found wrestling. So, you know, I didn't watch wrestling during like the eighties when I was growing up. And I, like I said, I started in 1998. My first memory of watching wrestling was seeing Shawn Michaels, super kick Steve Austin on their build up to WrestleMania. And the way I found about wrestling is my friend, I mean, not my friend, my brother, he had a friend who was big into wrestling. And my brother was like, hey, we're watching this wrestling thing now because my friends like wrestling. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. At first, I didn't really understand it. And then it was like right after WrestleMania 14 happened where I saw like the excitement. Like my brother was excited and his friends were excited. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm getting kind of excited too. So then I just watched a whole episode of Raw just to see how everything was. And that was the Raw right after WrestleMania 14 where, you know, like the, the Austin McMahon era was like kicked off. You know what I mean? Like that's the, the, the point. And then I just got hooked from there. But yeah. uh, a little interesting side. So, okay, I watched a little bit of uh, the ending of Raw one time. And then I watched that full episode. Of Do you know what my second ever thing? I guess technically third. Do you know what my third thing of wrestling that I ever watched ever was? No. Uh, it was Wrestling with Shadows, that documentary from Bret Hart. Oh, wow. Okay. So... Like, my fandom was, like, backwards compared to a lot of other people. You know, a lot of people would watch wrestling in the 80s or 90s growing up as a kid, and they thought all that shit was real. I fucking... This is my second thing watching. They just talk about how fake everything was on that Wrestling with Shadows documentary. But I was so intrigued by that documentary of how the... I'm, like, a kid during this time. Like, I'm probably, like, around 13 turning into 14. And I was so intrigued about the actual, like, inner workings of wrestling you know, that that's why I became such a big fan was because of that one episode of Raw I watched and then the Wrestling with Shadows documentary. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know if it's still in print. I don't know if you can still get it or watch it anywhere, but um, Wrestling with Shadows, um, I guess it came out in 98 because um, I watched it around the same time too. I think, it, yeah, I think um, it came out like early 98. Um, so I watched it around the same time too. So I guess it was... Because I came back to wrestling in late '98, so around this time of your show is when I would when I came back to wrestling, basically. Um, but um, yeah, wrestling with shadows is something that I think people should watch, even if you don't like wrestling, or especially if you don't like wrestling. Yeah, it's um, very I think interesting. You should watch it. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's like when Brad Hart's talking about uh, wrestling. You know, it's like people say wrestling's fake, but it's more real than you could ever believe. And what he's talking about is how, even though it's a it, it's a predetermined outcome, everybody's still competing in a different kind of way. Yes. Well, also and too, I wanted to um, 
I also wanted to bring up wrestling massage really quick because they are actually releasing a, uh, I guess it's like a 25 year anniversary of the release date of wrestling shadows. They're releasing that out with some special commentary from Bret Hart and Dave Meltzer. So when I heard that, I was just like, it it just, it just, I just so happened to hear that news um, a couple of days before we, I was, you know, getting all my research done with this. And I was just thinking like, you know, that, that I'm, I'm obviously going to get that because I don't have, I don't own a copy of wrestling with shadows, but no, you know, I yeah. have to get that because that is something that actually pulled me into wrestling. So, like I said, I watched that one episode of Raw. I did forget that I did mention I watched a little bit of ECW too at my brother's friend's house. So I did. I knew I knew what ECW was at the time, and that's when I also became a big fan of that Raven character. So, <laughs> but which we'll talk about here right. pretty soon. So that's yeah, that's will. just some like early memories. And I and like once I got once those two things happened, I was watching wrestling like every week. And I was one of those viewers who uh, I was lucky because I had a v- VH- VHR, VHS. I can't even say it anymore. V- yeah. Uh, yeah. VCR. Yeah. Or VCR. Golly. VCR. Bro. Remember back in the day? So I, I would uh, watch Raw or I don't remember what I did. No, no, no. I would record Raw. And then what I would do is I would record Nitro on their replay. Yeah. So I did that for a couple of years, and that's how I get able to watch both shows. So, but you know, before we go on, what about some of your earliest memories? Well, so it's it depends on what you mean by it. So my earliest memories of wrestling are watching it as a small child, watching growing up, and I've talked about it a million times. And you're watching uh, Crockett and you know Ric Flair, all uh, Dusty Rhodes, um, Rhodes versus Flair, watching the Road Warriors, all that stuff was like really. That, that hooked me into wrestling when I was a kid. But then, um, you know, I don't know, maybe 87 or so, I started to get out of it. I started discovering music more and getting into, like, you know, heavy metal more than I than I was and wanting to go to concerts and stuff like that. And I just kind of lost interest in it somehow. And I didn't watch wrestling again or even think about wrestling um, until fall of 1998. <clears throat> and I was working a job with some people who watched Raw every week, and they would come in and talk about it, and I didn't know who any of these people were. I mean, which is weird to think that um, yeah. any like any of these people had no idea who they were. I had no idea who Stone Cold Steve Austin was. I had no idea who Kevin Nash was. Um, you know, I had no clue who any of these people were. But um, you know, they would come in every every Tuesday and talk about what happened on Raw, and I couldn't really believe it. Like. The things they were telling me were happening on the show. I was like, I can't believe this is real. I can't believe this is a real thing. Um, and then I watched Survivor Series 98. That was the tournament, right? The yeah. deadly game or whatever yes. it's called. Um, and I, when I watched that, I was completely hooked. I was like, this has kept me entertained for three solid hours. And so- I had no idea how this was going to end. And I was like, when that when and when when The Rock turned heel at the end of that yeah. show, even though I didn't know who The Rock was, I mean, I got the idea through that show. They t- they they told a story and they taught me who The Rock was. They taught me who Mankind was, and then you know they set those two guys on this collision course. And then I watched this whole thing, and I'm like, this is like the this is like the best movie I've ever seen. And I was like, this is amazing. They told me this story over three hours, even though I had no idea who these people were, and I was I've been in love with it since then yes let's be honest um allison you fell in love with wrestling on survivor series for the real man steven regal i love steven regal the real man's man yes 
<laughs> versus X Pac. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't argue with that. I mean, I couldn't argue with that. Both those guys are great. <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh yeah. So it's pretty fun. Like so basically when you start retching, you just missed my Halloween Havoc, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, and had I watched this show, I would have never watched this. <laughs> Come on, that's not that bad. I actually <laughs> like this show. Well we'll talk about it. I'm I'm pretty excited about going battling these shows out. So before we get into the rules of the battle, uh I have a couple more things to talk about. Um, you know, so this is the uh, sister show to the Retro Blood, you know, so this is the show where we talk about whatever, we pick a topic, we just talk about ever, and it could be any yep. year, any any month, any decade, anything, you know, usually, you know, like this one's a special one because we're fo- are focusing mostly on pro wrestling to pay-per-views, but, you know, sometimes in the past on the lights out, we've done like horror movies that are not necessarily made in the 80s, we do some 90s ones, some theme ones and stuff too. Uh, we'll probably on the lights out one time. Maybe we'll do a battle of the albums. So that'd be kind of yeah, fun. I was gonna say it could just be metal. Yeah. It could just be, um, the first lights out episode, the lost episode, as I call it, was just about us talking about a wrestling show we went to live. Yes. Um, yeah, which may come out someday. Yeah, when when I when I edit it, <laughs> I'm not freaking lazy and do that shit. Uh, but what I want to um, talk about is, uh, oh, go ahead. Did you say something? <coughs> no sorry right. i was coughing no you're good so like uh <laughs> so what i want to talk about is like a reverse of what we kind of do here on on uh on retro blood so retro blood we have a horror movie and we talk about what was happening in pro wrestling and me- metal music at the time but i just had mm-hmm. to do it i had to do my research of what was happening in metal and horror movies during my yeah. uh halloween havoc so i just want to share a couple things with you really quick so the metal thing I found was pretty interesting. So around this date of um, Halloween Havoc coming out, this actually um, happened. Um, I think it actually happened on the actual release date. Uh, let me just check my notes over here. So Halloween Havoc, my it was on October twenty fifth, nineteen ninety eight. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's when the uh, the Sunday uh, of the, this pay per view came out, um, but. The band Napalm Death released their album, Words from the Exit Wound, and it came out October 26, 1998. So they always always have the greatest album names. I know, exactly. So apparently this album from Napalm Death is a little different than their traditional grindcore. Um, This is like more of like their experimental (laughs) type of um, album that came around this time. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is like, this is like the last album they did within that experimental phase until they went pretty much back into like the straight grindcore, which we hear from them nowadays and stuff. Um, but the album is not too bad. Like I, I just thought it was very interesting because you know Napalm Death. I've seen them a couple times, and um, I, I just thought like it's like a it's a pretty good like death metal album to get you know getting you getting you prepared for Halloween. Uh, you know, getting yeah. you prepared for the aftermath of Halloween Havoc. So not too bad. Yeah. Didn't they play uh, the night we went and saw Behemoth? But we uh, didn't see them, right? Yeah, I think they played, but yeah, we missed them over there. I think we didn't get there in time. Yeah, they're they're pretty good. You know, I mean, th- there's nothing too like fancy about Napalm Death. You know, they get up there, they rock, they they go they go hard. Um, mm. You know, basically traditional grind death metal. You know, very good. Uh, you know, at that style of music, they're not my favorite band by all means. I've seen them a couple of times, listened to a couple of their tracks. To me, they're like a little bit. I'm not sure we're gonna get any heat over here, but I think they're a little basic. But I think they're not too bad. But 
I thought this album was actually not too not too bad. So, do you have any words about Napalm Death? You want to say? No, I mean, I you know, you're you're right. I mean, I, I like Napalm Death, but it's not a band I listen to on a regular basis. Um, I'm not a huge grindcore fan, um, personally. Uh, I don't like any kind of core really, but um, I'm not a huge grindcore fan. But they're they're fine. Yeah, it is really interesting uh, that in 1998, there. this Napalm Death was taken over, brother. So, a movie I found that actually was happening two days after Halloween Havoc is mm-hmm. October 30th, 1998. John Carpenter released his movie Vampires. Came out. Oh yeah, two days after saw- Halloween Havoc, brother. So what a weekend. Yeah, that's a great movie. I love that. I saw that in the theaters. Oh yeah, so I, I watched actually, it several times. I actually have never seen this movie, but I thought it was very no. interesting that it came out. But I've heard it's really good. It is good. It's it's on. I think it's on the Netflix right now. You should watch it. Yeah. So maybe we'll do a, a little. Maybe maybe during Vampire Month here at the Retro <laughs> Blood, we'll 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 do a Lights Out for for John Carpenter's Vampires because I'm very interested in seeing it. You know, because I love vampire movies. Where it comes to like Dracula, Lost Boys, all that stuff. I'm pretty sure I would mm-hmm. like this one as well too. I just haven't uh, had it in my watch list before. Uh, but one one other thing too. So you know, on the Retro Blood this past month, we were talking about all the Halloween movies uh, from the '80s. You know, we obviously on this Lights Out one, brother. We did the original Halloween. Everybody check that out in the hard archives. Very fun discussion for the original Halloween. And then, of course, on the Retro Blood, we did all the ones from the 80s. But in 1998, did you know, Allison, that Halloween H2O was released 20 years later, brother? Oh, I I did know that, yes. But it's funny, though. I also saw that in the theater. Yes. I don't think I... No, I was just a kid, so I probably did not... I don't know if I even was watching Halloween during this time. No, I think I did. Yeah, yeah, I've seen the Halloweens around this period. Um, So this movie is weird, though, because... You know, when we were talking about um, the Halloweens on Retro Blood and then on Lights Out, you know, most of them came out around October. I would say, like, majority. I think, actually, all of the ones from the 80s came out around October time. But this particular one, H2O, came out on August 5th, 1998. So, what a random, like, month to release a Halloween movie. Yeah, I mean, it is really weird, but I think that by this point they were trying to well as you know you know the summertime is when all the big tentpole movies come out and by august um those movies are starting to wind down so but it's still summertime so i think that they released they started releasing those halloween movies in august because it was a uh, still, it was considered a big movie. They thought, you know, this is going to be, this is a big blockbuster movie for us. Yeah. And, um, but this, th- it doesn't have all the really big movies to compete against, um, at the time, which I think Godzilla came out. The American Godzilla came out, uh, that summer. And, um, yeah. So <clears throat> usually the August movies and the May movies or the early May movies are like movies that they think are going to be kind of big, but they don't want to have to compete against other people. Yeah. Plus, they always have those hopes that the movie's going to be a huge hit and play all the way through October, but that never happened. Yeah. <laughs> they would always play for two or three weeks, and then they were gone. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I could see why they thought it could be a big blockbuster, because this was the, you know, obviously the return of Michael Myers since Halloween mm-hmm. 6. It was probably like yeah. a big letdown. 
Um, so this was not only was it the re- return of Michael Myers, but it also was the return of Laurie as well. Yes. And this was the movie. And it had. Go ahead. I was going to say, and it had Josh Hartnett in it, who I don't know if I don't know if he was a star then, but he would be. Yes. Yeah. He was getting his footing, brother. But actually, this movie is not too bad. Like Halloween H two O, like compared to some of those early, like later nineties movies and shit. Or, <laughs> like it actually wasn't too bad. But boy, there's some parts that are definitely goofy. But, yeah, uh, some of, I mean, it, it's not terrible, but, you know, as as I said before, as much bullshit as an H2O, there's not nearly as much bullshit as there would be yeah. in the next couple of movies. That, yes. Like that piece of shit resurrection. Oh, God. That's still, the worst, movie. That's still the worst movie. I don't care what anybody says. But. Oh, yeah, for sure. But the, let me talk about one little thing before we get into the actual battle. So. All right. So I know we're talking a lot about mine. Uh, 1998. So I did a little research as well, and Uh-oh. I was seeing what was happening on the other channel, the WWF brother. <laughs> okay, so so you know, 1998 for is a very interesting era. You know, this was like peak Attitude Era. You know, WCW and WWF were going head to head like every Monday night, and this is still when they would like um trade ratings off. You know, obviously WWF to me was like a lot bigger. Like they probably won more than they lost during this particular year. But you know, WCW is still holding itself up. You know, they would still win some months and or some some weeks and lose out on some weeks too. But uh, so during this uh era, you know, in October, WWF was doing uh, WWF Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. All right. So the gimmick with the, this one was the uh, the main event was the Undertaker versus Kane, and they were fighting for the WWE Championship while Stone Cold Steve Austin was um, like pretty much was forced to be the special guest referee, and if Austin didn't like count down a winner, he would be fired, brother. So this is basically just a more like showing more of the uh, Austin McMahon storyline uh, during this particular part. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's pretty much what WCW was competing against. So we have a main event of The Undertaker and Kane with Steve Austin in the main event versus Goldberg and DDP. So, Which actually was not that bad yeah. of a match. It's not as bad as I I mean, I'm sure DDP carried that, but it wasn't as bad of a match as I thought it was going to be. No. Of course, there's controversy about that, too, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yes. So, just, you know, quick thing. So, this is what WCW was competing against. So, this uh, pay-per-view, Judgment Dane, happened uh, pretty much a week before yeah, um, week the WCW. Before. Yeah, so it happened on October 18, 1999. Uh, they were from uh, the Rosemont, um, Illinois. Um, so, and this was, you know, obviously fought all the Survivor Series uh, from there, which we had the big tournament. You know, the reason we had the tournament for the Survivor Series that you watched, Allison, was because Austin, he didn't pinfall anybody. He just fucking beat up both Kane and Undertaker. And then and then after that, McMahon fired Steve Austin and he took the belt and he, and he you know, basically there was no champion. So that's why they came up with that tournament. And then right. the, the, the next night on Raw after this was fantastic. Austin was fired. He fucking runs and he drives in there with a fucking Zamboni causing havoc i mean this is one of my favorite moments of watching wrestling as a kid was when austin fucking ran the zamboni in there fucking well this, i think no this happened before judgment day he ran the zamboni in there and then that's when they broke mcmahon's leg so yeah mm-hmm. uh, the next night on raw th- the next night on raw for after this was when austin he kidnapped mcmahon and he tortured him throughout the whole fucking night <laughs> and he had him piss his <laughs> is pants that the one, yeah, yeah is that the one where he's holding a gun up to his head 
Yeah, the Bang that 316. Yes. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Okay. And, that, and that's the whole thing where Shane he reinstated Austin and everything, and he gave him a title match and everything. So, uh, this a, a lot of a lot of fun stuff going on in, in WWF around this time. I mean, you know, WCW had their 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 moments and stuff, but like the peak storyline for WWF. I mean, they're just running so hot uh, right now to, to compete with. Right. But to be honest with you, when it comes to like match quality and stuff. That DDP and Goldberg match like blew this one out of the water. I no, that, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So, and then um, also too, you know, WCW <clears throat> they had a uh, they had their undercard was top notch compared. You know, when it comes to wrestling in in ring wrestling, and they blew fucking WWF's um, uh, lower card out of the water. I mean, fucking Jericho versus Raven compared to Val Venus versus Goldust. I mean, come on now. <laughs> well, okay, that's a good point. That is a very good point. Yeah. Um, and the week after this, the next Sunday, ECW did uh, November to Remember on November the first. Oh, we just which is better than those shows. <laughs> what was that the main event? Three weeks in a row, we could have watched that. The main event of that show was um, Sabu, Rob Van Dam, and Taz against Shane Douglas, <clears throat> Bam Bam Bigelow, and Chris Candido. Okay, the, yeah, the triple threat. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we're loaded, uh, man. Then they had, got back to back. Yeah, and then they had Tommy Dreamer and Jake Roberts teaming up. That was a hell of a match. That was a hell of a show. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, during your particular area, '92, you know that mm. it just so happens that wrestling at your particular time was like kind of like going a little bit downhill. You know, I think yeah. the most fascinating part about the, the area you picked, '1992, was all the departures that are about to happen or or did happen in the WWF. You know, Ric Flair's leaving. Uh, fucking, you know, uh, um, Hogan's about to leave. Um, just Sid Justice's about to leave. You know, all of them around 92 was crazy. But is everybody ready for the battle of the Halloween Havocs? Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. For the heavyweight championship of the world. Are you ready? Wrestling fans, are you ready? For the thousands in attendance, and the millions watching around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! <clears throat> this is how it's going to work. <laughs> so, Allison's show has a little bit more, I mean, has a little bit less matches than mine do. Mine does. So, how many matches does yours have, Allison? Uh, my show had uh, seven official matches. Seven? Okay. So mine had, let's see, we got 11. <laughs> so I'm gonna, yes. so a couple of the shit in the middle with disco and shit, I just won't say it, but we won't compare the two. So when it comes to mine. Okay. Uh, all right, I'm throwing my flag already. <laughs> so basically what you're telling me is yeah. that all the junk in the middle that, I, uh, that I'm going to make fun of, um, you're going well, di- to discount that. But you're going to count this main event that nobody got to see. Yeah, of course I'm going to count the main event that nobody got to see. Okay, come on now. They got to see it the next night. 
What's the problem? All right, I'm all right. I'm uh, I'm I'm still competing in this game, but under protest. But let's go. Let's do it, brother. All right, hey, you, you'll beat me in a. We'll see what happens. All right, we'll see what happens. So basically, how it's gonna go is we're gonna judge the match by like three categories: in ring work. All right, obviously okay. the crowd reaction, and then the finish, brother. The good old finish. How are you gonna finish me off, brother? So you got that? It's gonna be crowd. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the match quality, all right? And then it's going to be the finish. And then okay. how we'll do it is we'll give... We'll, I mean, we're going to make this simple. It's either going to be maybe like a 1 or a 10. You know what I mean? So if the match was like, you know, you don't see the crowd cared at all, you know, whatever, just give it like a 1. If you think the crowd was hot throughout the whole match, you know, they liked it, they were getting pumped, then we'll give it a 10, you know? And then whatever match has the best quality metrics then that match wins and then we'll put one check for that show um obviously we can talk a little bit about some of the promos because i I had a bunch of promos out of nowhere uh we can compare promos if you want to but we can maybe make that extra so yeah let's just yeah let's not compare promos but we can talk about them though yes so that's how we will do the battle of the halloween havocs so what we'll do is um before before we get into it, I'll just talk a little bit. Me and Allison will both talk a little history about what's happening with the main event scene or like the main matches to give you guys a little bit insight of what's going on during this pay-per-view. Uh, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? No, you go first. Okay. So during 1998, so this this is when Goldberg is like red hot. Okay. He just won the, the title belt from Hulk Hogan. All right. And he wore, he won it at the Georgia Dome. Um, I think he won it around July. Let's see. That sounds about right. Yes, he won it in July 6th at the uh, Georgia Dome Atlanta, beating Hulk Hogan. Okay. So during this particular, you know, the NWO is running wild right now. You know, um, they're not as hot as they were in 97 because now we have two factions. We have the NWO Black and White. We have the NWO Wolfpack. Wolfpack is like super hot right now. All right. Um, you know, we have like Kevin Ash in there. I think the Macho Man might have been injured during this time in there, but we have the Stings in there now, Luger's in there now for the Wolfpack. So definitely a hot group yeah. at this time. This is what NWO, you know, they had the hottest wrestler known to man. Stevie Stevie Ray is in the NWO uh, during this time. So Oh yeah. Yes, it's that era. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, and then the big thing about this is the uh we have a couple big matches. One of the big matches when I'm talking about the NWO stuff is obviously Hulk Hogan in a return match after eight long years. He is now facing mm-hmm. his bitter rival, the Ultimate Warrior. Mm-hmm. And so leading up to this match, you want to see some goofy shit. Okay, this is the the, the Warrior versus Hogan buildup. You know, you have Warrior in there cutting a promo forever. You, you can never really understand what Warrior's saying, but it sounds cool, I guess. There's a lot of smoke that happens. A lot of smoke and mirrors. There actually is a mirror scene where Warrior's like on a mirror and Hulk Hogan sees him. <laughs> Did like a ghost <laughs> figure and shit. Um, but I guess what happened was a week before Halloween Havoc started, they're like, okay, so so far the buildup has sucked for Hogan and Warrior. So let's make something personal. So the big angle they did was Hogan attacked his, and this is a quote, this is what I'm quoting. They attacked his deceased brother's uh, son. So it's his nephews. Horace Hogan, 
the famous right. Horace Hogan. Allison, do you have any great Horace Hogan stories for us? The, there are no great Horace Hogan stories. Um, but I was going to ask about that. Is so? Is he? Um, was Hulk Hogan's brother really dead, or is that like a? Or is uh, that like work. I think it's. I think it's the legit. Okay. I'm pretty sure. So, but that's his. But the, I, yes, his nephew. His real nephew, yeah. And I, I don't know that. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure that he got into wrestling due to Hulk's connections, but. Yeah, Horace Hogan uh, did not have the same uh, success, we'll say, as, as Hulk did. <laughs> yeah, so this is like the pinnacle of Horace Hogan's career right now, is doing this angle yes. with Hogan. So, you know, Horace is in the NWO. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of like the Hogan laggy, you know, kind of like how the Disciple was, you know, Brutus Beefcake. So, we yeah. like, I guess we had to get Beefcake out of here, and we'll just bring in Horace. So, Horace takes a beating from Hogan, and he got like some staples in his head too, and they're talking about that pretty much the whole show of how like, you know, if if Hogan's gonna do this to his nephew, what is he gonna do to the Ultimate Warrior? Uh, I can tell you what he's gonna do to the Warrior. He's gonna stand there and and hug him for a little bit. <laughs> so that's one of the big matches going on right now. So the biggest, the, this is probably like the biggest attraction because we're we're seeing two mega stars from the '80s uh, finally doing a rematch here in WCW on a big pay per view. Okay, and obviously, you know, Hogan versus Warrior, like that was probably like the best match Warrior ever had on a big stage. Um, not counting all the ones he did with Rick Rude, which I thought those were great as well. So uh, another uh, storyline happening is um, it going to be the uh, the very interesting storyline between two best friends, now bitter rivals. It's uh, the Outsiders, yeah. uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. So the storyline here was, you know, obviously Nash is the uh, NWO Wolfpack leader. He broke away from NWO Hollywood. Um, this is the time period where Scott is just having a lot of trouble, you know, personally and stuff. You know, a lot of drinking and everything. Uh, so he was kind of like in and out a little bit of WCW. And what I remember them saying before uh, is like this is like a storyline they wanted to do with like, you know, showing um, Scott's like alcohol problems on the screen. Uh, mm -hmm. Just, but you know, obviously, you know, Scott wasn't really drunk during those angles he was doing. He was just doing the angle, and a lot of people didn't really like this angle at the time. Like they, they felt like they were, um, you know, kind of like exploiting uh, uh, Scott's like, uh, you know, personal problems on TV and stuff. But you know, apparently, like Scott, what I've heard, they he was fine with it and stuff. But you know, it was just kind of like a controversial thing at the time with that angle happening. Um, they did a similar angle a couple months back with Hawk. If you remember that too, where they're showing like the alcohol problems um, in wrestling like yeah. that, um, which is like you know, the thing I can kind of see both sides, you know, like, okay, you know, this is a real problem this person has. Why are we showing it on TV when he's supposed to be just getting help for it? But then again, you know, wrestling is all about emotion. It's all about, you know, they try to do like realistic angles. So, I yeah. And they've done that many times before, you know, like they'll have two guys that kind of have a problem with each other and they'll put them in an angle together because if they, as long as they can work together, then it'll, it, it creates a more emotive, more emotional story. It makes, it makes you feel something, which is what this match was all about. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, at the time, knowing how things turned out, you know, 20 years later, 30, 25 years later, it's kind of in bad taste. Yeah. But, 
at the time, everybody just assumed that Scott was going to get treatment for his, his problems and he was going to come back and be better than ever. Yes. Um, but to be honest with you, like this match, actually, we'll talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. It's actually one of my favorite matches on the show. So basically, you oh, had these friends. So you had this friend, like, like they. So the, the build up basically to this match was, you know, Nash thought that Scott was had his back in his corner, but Scott kept attacking him. But Nash didn't really want to fight him. But then he was just like, I gotta, I gotta beat some sense in him. All right. Hmm. And then we have uh, the 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 main event of Halloween Havoc, the big match that we're about to see: Goldberg versus DDP. And the big build up of this is obviously Goldberg. Is this is during his undefeated streak. So no man yeah. could de- defeat him during this time. You know, he's running through Hogan, running through Raven, running through everybody, the, the Giants, you name it. He's going through everybody during this time. So um, during the uh, Fall Brawl War Games match, it was uh, whoever picked up the, the I guess, the pinfall um, at the end of that Fall Brawl won uh, a title shot for Halloween Havoc. And this is when DDP mm-hmm. picked it up. And TD- DDP at this time was particularly very hot. So it was very interesting, um, WCW at this particular time frame is because they actually did a pay-per-view with not Hogan in the main event and not two bad, uh, bad guy versus the good guy. We actually had two baby faces face off in each other in the main event. Um, and so I, it's a very unique concept by WCW doing this with two over baby faces uh, in the main event. So that's our, that's our lead up to the 1998 Halloween Havoc. What do you got for us in 92, Allison? So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, 92. So, back then, the difference, one of the differences between 92 and 98 was that 92 was not nearly as story driven as 98 would, would be. Um, as you mentioned before, WCW is kind of on a down, downward spiral at this point. They were, they were starting to go downhill. This was, they were still good at this point, but they were kind of starting to go downhill a little bit. The business wasn't nearly as good. But this show did take place in Philadelphia, which has always been a big WCW town. And it was a, um, well, not every match, but some of the matches were the uh, spin the wheel, make the deal match, which is basically this huge wheel with different match stipulations on it. I think it had 12 on it. And uh, you spin the wheel (laughs) and whatever it lands on, that's the kind of match you're going to have with your opponent. Um, so I believe they actually only did that for one match, if I'm if I remember correctly, which was the uh, non-sanctioned lights out main event, which would was Sting versus uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, and it landed on a uh, coal miners club match, and you know instead of a Texas Death match or you know some of the more interesting matches. Um, but uh, the uh, so that was the that was the main like gimmick for it was that um, I I could not figure out why it was non-sanctioned though um, like I can't, I never found out why this was not a sanctioned match but it was a lights out match the real main event was Ron Simmons versus the Barbarian uh, with Cactus Jack and Barbarian's corner and one of the things that kept going throughout the show was uh, them showing highlights of um. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cactus Jack training the barbarian. It's hard for me to say this. I love those. Th- those which, highlights were great. I loved it. Which consisted apparently of just having the barbarian body slammed over and over and over <laughs> again, and <laughs> breaking cinder blocks that were sitting on his back with a sledgehammer. So um, this yeah. is how we train. Yeah, you don't and, train. And I guess that's that's <laughs> that's how you train for a world title match, duh. I mean, come on. 
<laughs> which I guess explains how why we got the outcome that we did. Um, you know, and then uh, uh, you know, Cactus Jack maybe shouldn't be the uh, the trainer. Um, but another big thing going through this match was the uh, prima donna behavior from Rick Rude, who was a dual champion at this time. He had um, the WCW United States Championship and he had the uh, United States Heavyweight Championship. Uh, no, yes, he did. He had the United States Heavyweight Championship. But being the prima donna that he is, he did not want to wrestle twice. Yeah. So he got his lawyers to allow them to let Big Van Vader compete against uh, Nikita Koloff and defend his championship. Yeah, because he was uh, he, he was yeah, facing the for the world title, right? No, the heavyweight championship. Okay, the NWA one, right? I'm sorry, yes. The NWA heavyweight championship and the WCW heavyweight championship, he had both titles. And he defended the, world heavy, uh, the NWA world heavyweight championship against uh, Masahiro Chono. Um, and then Vader defended the WCW heavyweight championship against Nikita Koloff for him, which were, uh, which was an incredible match. Um, but yeah, those are the big things that were going on. Everything else was just like, these guys are two good wrestlers. Um, let's put them in a match together or maybe they're not so good and we'll put them in a match together. (laughs) That was pretty much the rest of the uh, rest of the show. Um, but yeah, that was basically the, the big, uh, the big angles that I got coming into this yeah buddy all right well let's start it off let's start off the battle brother so how we'll do this is like um i'll talk about my opening segment you can talk about your opening segment and then we'll get into some of the the first matches um so so mine the 1998 one we opened up with some like weird music it's like some like opera music like not halloween at all (laughs) and we're just showing Mm -hmm. like Goldberg, Hogan, DDP, and Sting, and Bret Hart, and stuff. Some of the matches that we're talking about. Um, and then this one starts off kind of like how yours did a little bit, too. Like, So my commentary team was Tony Schiavone, Mike Today, mm-hmm. and Bobby Heaton. Yeah. The, the three-man group. And I thought they were excellent during the whole match, especially Bobby Heaton. He is fantastic. Um, and Tony Schiavone, obviously, he's on both shows that we're going about to review. So he was just all over these shows. Um. So they're, they're, this is when they were, they were talking about the angle between, you know, Warrior and Hogan. They show the clips of uh, Hogan beating up Horace and everything. This is when they talk about, you know, his uh, his brother, dead dead brother, is a, a son. And this is also, too, when we get a, um, a, like, a, like the Nitro Girls are on Halloween Havoc. Oh, of course. All right. <laughs> so... So we start off basically with Nitro Girls, which is cool. And it's pretty cool. Like, you know, I actually didn't mind this. I was like, okay, because I, you know, Nitro Girls were mostly just on Monday Nitro. I forgot that they were even on pay-per-views. But I always liked the Nitro Girls idea. You know, it's pretty cool. You saw like Kimberly in there. I think, I think Shawn Michaels' wife was one of them as well, too. Um, There's Mm -hmm. a couple of Nitro Girls I recognize later. They're going to be part of the Filthy Animals when your boy Vince Russo was taken over. So... Yeah, when he got rid of the Nitro Girls. Yes. So this is, uh, so starting mine off too was we had a, a promo from Rick Steiner, okay? Because Rick Steiner was scheduled to face his brother, Scott Steiner, okay? Because they're in like a little bit, little bit of a, a, a rival, rivalry during this time. And the big thing about this was Buff Backwell, he, a year ago, he got hit that really bad neck injury. 
where he actually got injured by Rick Steiner when Rick Steiner did a top bulldog on him and Buff just landed on his neck and he broke his neck. And now Buff has uh, returned, but we show that we sh- we're, we've been showing that he's returned. He's not with the NWO anymore. And he's basically saying like, hey, Rick, let me be by your side tonight. And then Rick kind of agrees reluctantly. He, re- he agrees. So uh, how was your start to the show? Uh, my start was... Um, so we, in, our, in, in the house, we have, um, well, WCW during this time did it a little bit different. So they would have a two man commentary team yeah. and then they would have people that were just interviewers. Um, so we have our commentary team is Jesse Ventura and Jr. Yes. Great team. And our interview team. Great team. Yes. Great team. And our interviewer team is. Uh, Tony Schiavone and Bruno Sanmartino. Yeah, how weird was that? I know. I thought that was really weird too. So I guess this is a time when Bruno was just on the house with Vince. Yeah, it's always and so weird. It's was, always so uh, fascinating. Not to cut you off. It's, sorry. It's, it's just so fascinating me seeing Bruno in WCW. It's just very, very yeah. interesting. That must have been like wild back in the day, you know, for people. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was. And you know, I'm sure he was like. You know, like that was that was probably a big like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a big defection. You know, it's like oh, you know, Vince's champion, the champion, yeah, is coming is coming to uh, to WCW to be a commentator. Um, and this would have been, I get, well, no, this would have been a few years right before Jr. got fired because Bischoff fired Jr. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Jr. He he, yeah, his first appearance was at WrestleMania 10, which I believe was 93. So yeah, he's about to be on out of there. Okay, so Vince was, I mean, uh, Bischoff was about to take over because Eric Watts or uh, Eric Watts, um, Bill Watts, is, I guess, is about is on his way out. Yeah, I don't know the exact and, timelines for that, but it's coming up pretty yeah. soon with the Watts era. I don't think the Watts era was too long. Um, but it's, it's about to be coming towards an end. Yes. Yeah. Cause Bischoff is literally working like in the archives at this point, I think, or he's like a, or is he, he's an anchor, right? Any, yeah. any like doing like the news show or something. Yeah. Like kind of like um, the little promo segments you're talking about yeah. matches and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other big thing, oh, the, so then, uh, so this, so the show starts with, um, Jr. It's harder to describe if you can't see this, and maybe we can find some way to put some of the audio in if we can find it. But like Jr. is standing there, looking like Jr. wearing his tuxedo, and Jesse Ventura is wearing like a uh, like a costume that has like a skull face. Then he takes it off, and he's Jesse Ventura, and then he says, um, he says something. What is you watch it too? What does he say to Jr. Something like, I he's like "Oh, I thought you were." No, he's like you're wearing a mask. It's like it's like Jr. Like, damn, take that mask off. It's scaring me or something like that. Like, <laughs> like man, you have a scary mask on and just Jr.'s normal face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. He was say, yeah. He was. He said something like, he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, um, he's like, I thought you were wearing a a really scary Halloween mask or something like that. And then Jr. is just like this this straight face straight says face. like, thanks, Jesse. I appreciate that. Appreciate the comment. Yeah, so what I heard really funny the way he said. Yeah, what I heard though, like from Jr. himself, like I, I think him and uh, Jesse had some heat with each other. Like they didn't really get along that well. It it sounds like it during yeah some of this, like some of the commentary that we'll talk about in some of these matches. It does sound like they just did not get along. Like, but Jr. (laughs) is really good at 
sounding like he's he he's arguing with his other comp- his other yes. uh, commentator. Yeah, like he did it with with uh, Lawler a lot, and, and he's really good at. And it. And he did it with Heyman too for a good for a good year. Yes, when the yes. king left. Um, ex- absolutely. Um, so. So we got those guys standing in the middle, like they're standing up talking and introducing matches and they're going to do commentary. And then we have Bruno and we have Shivani who are talking about how important this is. And they explain how the uh, spin the wheel, make the deal match works. And they explain all the stipulations. And um, then it shows Sting spin the wheel. And then it comes up coal miners glove match. And Sting is uh, totally dejected. He's or he's pissed off about it. Then he walks away. Um, and then we have Missy Hyatt dressed as something. I think she's dressed like as Cleopatra or something. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, uh, you know, typical, you know, sexy, whatever, uh, whatever, uh, costume. And then she's trying to interview people and, you know, play up her reputation for, uh, fucking a lot of wrestlers. (laughs) It seems like it's what she's like. She's I was gonna say that on. too because there's a. I think I think it's after your first match where she does an interview that she basically said that in a way. Yeah, the one where she's like, "I can't." It's the first time I've never about not been allowed in a locker room. Yeah, or exactly. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's start it off. Let's start off with the first battle, brother. Uh, so my first match, we're gonna start off Halloween Havoc hat. I mean, hot. I can't even say it. We're gonna start off mm-hmm. Halloween Havoc 1998 hot. With this very weird match, especially to like nowadays. So yeah. the first match is going to be on my show. Raven versus Chris Jericho for the World's TV Championship. The World TV yeah. title. What a weird okay. match. Chris Jericho versus Raven. And like, so this is like peak Raven where he's doing his like grunge character. I love Raven during this particular time. Uh, you know, I thought he did like a great, his character was very like, to me, it was like very underrated for like a lot of like grunge metal kids, you know, they can kind of bring people into mm-hmm. wrestling with Raven's character. Cause that's basically what kind of what he was. Um, you know, there, so during this particular time, Raven, he, he had the flock with him, which is like his like group. And at this yeah. particular time, the, the flock kind of like disbanded and they all kind of went their separate ways and stuff. And then during this time, Raven, uh, he is on a big losing streak. So this is when he, he lost the U S belt to, to Goldberg he lost a big feud with DDP. So he's going into this match basically a loser. Right? Um, mm-hmm. And this was the Chris Jericho who started to get over. So when Chris Jericho first got into WCW, he was, kind of, he was pretty much just called Lionheart Chris Jericho. He's just a normal baby face. You know, normal. And everything was generic, which is weird to see with mm-hmm. Jericho now. Everything just being generic. But then he decided to get like this character where he was just all like cocky goofy. You know, he would do a bunch of like... Um, uh, rock and roll uh, uh sayings and stuff you know he like yeah. i need you to want me and stuff you know stuff like that um right. so so jericho's coming it's just weird because it was like both heels going after each other so the opposite from our main event we had like two heels facing each other um so uh we, they were talking about raven's losing streak during this time um and then at first raven just like he gets on the microphone when jericho gets out there says like i don't want to do this match uh, they didn't even let me know that this match was happening. Um, and he was basically just doing a promo saying like, I, I don't want to do this match at all. And they didn't even right. let me know like an hour before this match was happening. I was like, this is weird. Like you just showed up to the building and I guess you're, Hey, you're the first match. Like we don't schedule <laughs> was, our first match. <laughs> I was waiting on him to say, um, 
that he's not uh, dressed to wrestle, but which would have been really funny because yes. Ra- Raven always wears the same thing. <laughs> the same thing. I was like Raven is our shirts too. He always had like some grunge shirts on there. Some he used to wear those Sandman comic book shirts and stuff. I was about to say he had a lot of cool comic book shirts and a yeah. lot of like metal shirts and yeah. Yeah, he had like some anime ones towards his WWF run. So I always yeah. liked the Raven character. I was I always have a special place in my in my soul for the Raven character. Uh, so Raven's about to leave, and Chris calls out him, saying, like, hey, you you suck, and the flock was a bunch of losers, all right? <laughs> and then he's basically just, like, goading Raven, telling him pretty much how much he sucks, and then Raven, they start battling now. So, yeah, you know, so crowd reaction, actually, these guys, you know, for being, like, semi-made, I, I don't even know. So WCW is kind of weird during this time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you had guys that should be in the, like, upper-tier main events, but they always kept them at a certain level. You know, so, like, you know, Raven, for example, you know, he fought some of the bigger guys, like Goldberg and DDP and stuff, but he never, like, got to that second level, even though I think he he, he could have been because his character was so, like, great in a way. Um, Jericho, obviously, you know, he was super over during this particular time. Um, so it's just very interesting to see how like WCW like kept them at like a certain level. So I wouldn't say that they're like mid Carter, mid Carter. They're like not even like there yet. They're like in the there. I guess they would be like the this this would be right at the mid card. So we have mid card, we have upper mid cards. I would say that they were yeah. right, at the, right at the mid card level right now. But the crowd was super yeah. over uh, during this match. Um, hot match to start out with. The quality was good. You know, these two are great wrestlers. There was one spot, though, that freaking freaked me out. Like, Jericho, like, freaking launched from the apron, and his face hit that fucking guardrail. Like, I was like, oh, fuck. I thought he was knocked out and shit. So, um, so during all this, um, so these, and this is, like, a weird thing because they're, they're outside, they're using weapons. Just, like, no problem. Well, not really using weapons, but, like, using, like, the guardrail, using the stair steps and everything, just beating everybody mm-hmm. out. Um, Chris Jericho kicks out of the even flow DDT. Um, and this is when Canyon tries to get involved and it doesn't work. And then eventually, uh, Jericho, um, puts, uh, Raven in the lion tamer and he taps out. Yeah. So for mine, uh, crowd reaction, I'm going to give it a 10 because people were going pretty crazy for this match. Mm -hmm. Uh, quality of the match. It wasn't the most factor match, but it was pretty good. I'm going to give it a five. And then the finish, just a distraction finish. I'll give it like a one. So nothing too creative there. So what do we got, Allison, for yours? For my... Now, you... you, Yeah. So my opening match was uh, a uh, thrown-together ramshackle match. (laughs) It was a six-man tag. Um, Tom Zink, Z-Man. Johnny Gunn. And Shane Douglas, those guys took on the ever popular team of Arn Anderson, Michael Hayes, and Bobby Eaton. Are you saying this Johnny Gunn for, was this in this match? This went for eleven minutes. Yes, Johnny Gunn. Wow. Um, so, who do you ever? What beat? you can take out of this? Uh, nobody. <laughs> yeah, he, he he beat no one. Um, but the uh, what you can take out of this is you have three heel veterans mm-hmm. against. Three up and coming kind of baby faces. Um, Shane Douglas was probably more. Well, I guess this was probably near the end, the beginning of Shane, not his career, but like when he would start to get famous. I guess you could say as a wrestler. Yeah. Um, 
Tom Zink and he is Z Man is is who he is. He was a, he was a successful wrestler and he wrestled for years. And then on the other side, you've got three guys who are famous for tag team wrestling, but not with each other. It's like one half of three famous tag teams. Um, so you had Arn Anderson, you had Michael Hayes, and Bobby Eaton. So you had half of the Midnight Express, half the Freebirds, and half of the uh, Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Um, and the heels lose. Um, I mean, this is not bad. I mean, the wrestling is good in this. The crowd was kind of over for Shane Douglas, and they were definitely over for Michael Hayes. Um, the wrestling side of this, I would probably give it like maybe a – I'd give this – I don't know. I want, I want to give it a five. I don't want to give it a five, but I don't want to give it a ten either. It's somewhere in the middle. I'd say it's a – we'll call it a five. The crowd, that was also a five. Uh, the finish, um, we'll, we'll give that a five as well. So I'm going to say you won this one. Yeah, I won it by one point. <laughs> yeah, you won it by one point. I would concede. I would concede that you won this one. So yeah, so we're starting off. You know, not too shabby. Uh, looks like uh, Ra- Raven and Chris Jericho. Obviously, they be- become you know huge stars um, over the next couple of years. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty tough. So yeah, definitely. Uh, I think Raven and Jericho. Even though we got three established veterans in the main event, I think this one was a little bit more entertaining of a match. Yeah. And also you got to consider too, is like you were talking about how like they're, you know, they're, they're like mid card wrestlers. And that's for, that's true. Like, you know, Raven and, and Jericho are both mid card wrestlers at this time, but the opening match of a, of a pay-per-view is actually a good spot to be in. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, it's not like, you know, they're not like the opening act They're I mean, th- you either want to be first or you want to be last. And, you know, they have, they had a really good, a really good spot. Um, which is why this better match took place before all of these like shit shit ones that are about to come on your show. Um, but you know, like with our match, I'm guessing they just wanted to stick the or with the '92 show. I, I'm guessing they just wanted to stick these guys, all six of these guys, all, into into this main event or into this opening match, so they could get get that over with, and then they could all get a paycheck. Is what I'm guessing. Yeah, here. and like you know, it, I would. The the match you had, you know, when you put veterans against the new talent too, it definitely helps out. So yes. So up next uh, for my show, we have a promo by none other than the man himself, Hulk Hogan. It's coming out, brother, to do a little short promo about talking about his biggest return match in history of wrestling. Yeah, Allison, the biggest return match in the history of wrestling: Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior. I mean, is there anything bigger than that ever? Absolutely not. There's never been anything bigger than that since exactly. the last time they wrestled. Yes. But wasn't so they wrestled what in WrestleMania? Yeah, I think it was uh, seven or six. One of the two. It was the one I was in Toronto. Say it was six. I was gonna say it was six. Yeah, nineteen ninety. So this is a return match from that. Yeah. So after eight years, so was that match not also considered a complete disaster as well? No the uh, the WrestleMania match they had was actually. A fantastic match and it was probably oh, okay. like the best match warrior had it's probably okay. all right i mean you know they're, they're not you know like fucking technical wizards and shit but it's definitely <laughs> no. it's a match that actually went very smooth compared to how the warrior was working back in the day so right but this match does make sense though if you think about it about why it happened mm-hmm. um it it does make sense because 
at this point, the NWO was starting to get really stale. They've been doing it for over two years now. Yeah. Um, so it was starting to get really stale. And the most interesting thing that was happening in it was the Wolfpack stuff and then Nash and Hall feuding with each other. Yes. So there, so Hogan was trying to do something, I'm sure, to make this interesting and bring him back. He, you know, he needed a face. He needed somebody that we'd never seen in WCW before or not for a long time to come back and and battle against his NWO. And we'd already done it with Ric Flair. Um, and Macho Man. So Warrior and Macho Man. So Warrior was about the only person that you could really think of uh, to, to be able to do this. Yeah, actually, and, and too. And that's why um, I'm sure that's why this happened. I heard a rumor, too, where they were trying to get Yokozuna as well. So Hawk Hogan mm-hmm. get his back. But the problem is at this particular time, Yokozuna was way, way too out of shape to do anything. Yes. Um, so, but you're right. You know, Hogan, he went through like, you know, P- uh, Ric Flair, Rowdy Piper, Macho Man, Lex Luger, Sting, everybody, you know. So, yeah, they're just trying to basically find something big for him to do, you know, like a big, mm-hmm. big match. And that's pretty much why they got Ultimate Warrior, which, uh, uh, is only a shit. Warrior was only there for like what two months, maybe at the most. <laughs> so, um, uh, maybe yeah, at the uh, most. So, Hogan in this promo, he's basically talking about beating up Horace. He's saying, like, you know, if I'm gonna beat up Horace, what, what am I gonna do to the warrior? You know, he talks about you know, strapping him down. He says, like, that Bozor warrior, he's gonna wipe the, the paint off his face and he's gonna put the power of Hollywood on him and he's gonna beat up him, brother. <laughs> so you know t- t- a typical hollywood promo just to get the the match a little he did the mat he did the promo in front of the crowd too so yeah so i'm just gonna skim a little bit through some of mine because uh we gotta have the matches uh you know match up a little bit so yeah. a, a match that we had on my which i actually thought this match was pretty uh, i actually like this match so mm-hmm. you're lucky i'm not having this match go up to one of yours so this match was ming versus wrath that was a good match. That was a good match. Big men just go out there beating each other up. I fucking love Ming. Like, he was one of my favorites, man. This guy just go out. You know, there's not a whole lot of character with Ming, you know, like storyline-wise or whatever, but he would just go out there and have great big man beat people up matches all the time. That that Yeah, that, that is that is Ming's story. He just yeah. beats people up. Which is great. I mean, fuck, just have yeah. this guy go out there and fucking wrestle and beat people up. I loved it. Wrath. Yep. I've always liked Wrath. You know, even has Adam Bomb. I always thought he was yep. decent. I mean... He kind of reminds me of um, a Warlord, or I think Warlord's a lot better. Oh yeah, yeah. But like they're, yeah. they're similar in, in in how they were pushing everything. So Wrath, you know, the, the crowd basically didn't really give too much shit about this match. You know, I think like you got like big men just beating each other up to really like it. The crowd didn't really care. Um, and then the finish was basically um, Wrath doing the meltdown, which is like a punk uh, pump handle slam. Yeah. Um, so we have like a little promo with Kidman talking about Juventud de Guerrero and they're also talking about how Disco Inferno is not really a cruiser, right? So a uh, quick match. Um, we just have Disco versus Juventud Guerrero. Um, this match is basically... Can you... Be- Hold on one second though. All right, can you believe they put fucking Disco Inferno like two matches on this show compared to you who had Rick Fla- who had Rick Rude on two segments? I mean, well, that, that's, about- why, that's why my show is better. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, di- I didn't watch this shit. I, anytime Disco comes on the screen, I fast forward. Actually, so here's my thoughts a little bit on this match. Like, I'm not comparing this with one of yours yet. That's about to be pretty soon. 
But um, <laughs> all right. So this match was just really quick. Uh, Disco versus Juventude. Actually, Disco is not a bad wrestler. You know, he he was getting the crowd going a little bit with his little goofy dancing and shit. Um, yeah. And eventually, he just won uh, the match with the pile driver. And basically, since he won this match, it was a number one contenders match within the same pay per view. Um, he won with the pile driver. So later on tonight, he will face Kidman for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. So this ain't no fucking uh, Rey Mysterio and Eddie, that's for sure. Uh-huh. It is not. It, it is not. And uh, the payoff for this is pretty shitty as well. But yes. we'll get there. So like at first, like so, the first part of this Halloween Havoc was basically like a Nitro. Okay, like everything was reminding me of just a normal Nitro episode. So I saw the Nitro girls again. They're they're doing this. Uh, so now we get a promo from Scott Steiner, and he was jacked. During, holy shit, this guy was jacked, brother. So he's like, talk about like, um, he, since they're in Las Vegas, he hasn't been getting a lot of sleep because he's been going down with his freaks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, he's going to be uh, popping into town and ready to pound. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because he's the hookup. Yeah, so this is Big Papa Punt, brother. Holler if you hear him. He's mm-hmm. he's going to pop into town, and he is ready to pound, brother. Uh, hook up, you know, holler if you hear him. Uh, now he go, Now he's going on about Buff being like some some bitch and some loser. And he's yeah. basically saying like, hey, since since that loser Buff's going to be on your side, how, how about we do a tag team match, and I'll bring out my partner. So Scott is uh, suggesting... Okay, that he doesn't have a one-on-one match with him and his brother. He wants a tag team match, and he'll even put up the the tag team belts. And he brings out his partner, the Giant. So he suggests that they do Scott and the Giant versus Rick and Buff for the World Tag Team belts. Because I guess mm-hmm. during this time, Giant didn't really have a partner. He would just because I I know he won the title belts with Sting, and then they did like a, a match between Giant and Sting or something. But I guess Giant. I guess he didn't really have like a normal partner or maybe Scott was his partner. I wasn't too sure about how the tag belt situation was up at this time. Yeah. Well, so Scott is in the NWO, right? At this point. And then the giant had gone back to the NWO. Yeah. Because remember he was an original, not original member, but he was an early member of the NWO, but then he turned on him, but now he's back again. So now they're uh, somehow the tag team champions. Yeah. Um, and then, but Scott and Rick are feuding. And Scott basically says that he wants to fight Rick, but he never does. And then Rick's trying to get a match with his brother, which is where JJ, uh, JJ comes in. Yeah. JJ basically says like, okay, if you're going to put up those tag team belts tonight, uh, we'll get that official. But if you lose, if you lose the tag team belts, you and the Giant, you have to go 15 minutes with Rick, Rick Steiner after the match. And eventually Scott, you know, he's so cocky and so determined that they're going to beat him that he agrees. Yeah, which is a really strange thing because if you think about it, so usually the way that works is, okay, you put your title on the line and then if I lose and don't win your titles, then I'll put this on the line. But actually, Scott Steiner had to give up two things if he lost. He had to give up the titles, and he had to fight his brother. Yes. Which is weird. Yes. Which is weird. So, like, Steiner had nothing to lose in this. I mean, Steiner. Rick Steiner had nothing to lose in this. Well, I think he um, wanted to, like, not do one-on-one. So, he just, you know, he just wanted some backup. 
you know, for having a giant. Okay. Maybe maybe he just didn't want to go one on one with his brother, so he was trying to like you know be like a like a coward and not want to face his brother one on one. Who's Scott Steiner? Yeah, Scott. Yeah. Well, so um, I've as I've shown you, I was I've been I've been going in the last couple of years. I've been going on like a a, a rewatch of all of Nitro. So this has been going on for a little while. Um, cause they were supposed to have it like the month or two before and they didn't like Scott was supposed to fight Rick and he didn't. And he, he went, he, he went back on his word and didn't do it. And this is where they first fight each other. And, and this well, not, not to spoil anything, but this is where they end up fighting each other for the first time. So the next match we have, is just like a, they just have some random matches on here. Like, so the next yes. match we have is fit Finley versus Alex Wright. I didn't watch this shit either. <laughs> All right, what a classic here, brother. And the only interesting I the only interesting fact that I heard about this match was apparently Fit Finley broke Steve Wright's uh leg before, and that Steve Wright is Alex Wright's dad. So I guess we're having a, a grudge match so Alex Wright can get back his honor that uh, Fit Finley took away from his dad. So we got doing all this we got chance of boring. Um they have this a no, normal little wrestling match. And then Alex uh, uh, wins with the neckbreaker. So I guess he yeah. uh, he got some revenge back for his dad. Mm-hmm. Five minutes and nine seconds this last one. Yes. Well, we just have a little promo segment about stuff. And this is when we get our next match. It's going to be Lodi versus Saturn. Two yeah. former flock members fighting each other on live pay-per-view. Okay. Yeah. So Lodi is basically like this like S&M like sign guy who just brings out a bunch of signs and he talks through signs. And Saturn is a great wrestler during this time and he has a gimmick yep. where he's coming out in an army ranger outfit to represent mm-hmm. his past of being an army ranger. Yeah. Um Lodi's pissed off and somebody takes his signs so he runs all the way out of the match to grab his signs back. Uh, apparently the big gimmick of this was when Saturn was in the flock, he was the slave to Lodi. And then Saturn basically just beats his ass with a Death Valley driver. So nothing. Yeah. Three minutes, three minutes and 50 seconds. Yes. Very, very short, nothing match, but you know, we're showing that Saturn has some, uh, he has some, uh, some good stuff. Yeah. We could tell he's going to be a good player. Um, so now we get more talk at some of the big matches. Uh, so this is when we see the uh, the, uh, the little promo segment with Buff saving Rick Steiner and he takes off the NWO shirt. So we're building some more to that match. Then we get some more Nitro Girls. And now we're going to go back into our uh, battles. So Allison, tell me what's going on between uh, your next match. What do we got? All right. So between these two matches is when um, there's also another angle going on that I didn't mention yet. So, in the middle of this show, there is a the NWA and, and WCW World Tag Team Championships are being defended. Um, they are being they're held uh, technically, I believe, by Dustin Rhodes and um, Barry Windham. No, well, no. So oh. they're they're held by Dustin Rhodes and. Uh, God, his name escapes me. The other, the big free bird. What's his name? Oh, Dory Terry, Funk. Terry Gordy? No, it's not Dory Funk. Terry Gordy. Yes. Terry Gordy. That's it. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to be Dustin Rhodes and Terry Gordy. But Terry Gordy's not there. So Dustin, uh, so, so Barry Windham is going to be 
the tag. This I guess this has been going on for a little while. This is not like didn't happen on the night, but uh, Barry Windham steps in for him, and they're going to defend the tag team championships, um, but they don't like each other. So now they're they have Missy Hyatt talking to them, and are they, how are they going to be able to defend these tag titles later on against the uh, amazing team of stunning Steve Austin and Doctor Death Steve Williams, uh, which is ironic, which is kind of weird because both of those guys are real named as Steve Williams. Yes. but anyway, um, <laughs> hey, wasn't it? But, uh, I mean, I could be wrong here, but wasn't Doctor Death wasn't Terry Gordy his partner? Um, I could be wrong, but I, I I thought that they were. I they, they were s- talking to each other about how they didn't like each other, and how or how they previously didn't like each other, but now they're going to they're going to be on the same page. Yeah, but I also heard like Terry. G- I think it was Terry Gordy was Doctor Death's partner, but then he got replacement by Steve Austin. But they were actually just, you might be right about that. Yeah, then they were just saying that the uh, um, they're just saying that Dustin and Barry Windham just like they were their partners and everything. They were the unified tag team champs, but they just like were like not getting along too well like they were just having some heat with each other oh right you're right you're right you're right so <laughs> so steve williams and terry gordy were the champions they were originally going to face the steiner brothers yeah um but rick steiner got injured so they couldn't so and then barry windham and dustin rhodes won the titles um on wcw saturday night right before this yeah and i think and then, um i think terry gordy i think he went back to japan that's why he wasn't there probably um and then it was going to be Williams and Gordy, and then uh, Gordy wasn't there. Um, he no showed actually. Gord, they did, like it, that wasn't supposed to happen. So Gordy no showed the event, and then Steve Austin stepped in for him. Boom. So so the next match for for ours that we're going to be battling out, mine yeah. is going to be the Disco Inferno versus Billy Kidman for the Cruiserweight Title Strap Belt, brother. So. So apparently, some of the stuff about this match was they were saying that Kidman, um, he kind of led the way for the flock members because he was the most successful one out of them. Um, you know, actually, you know, Kidman was a pretty good wrestler, you know, a pretty good cruiserweight. You know, I thought I was always like back and forth with Kidman. Like, I thought he was a pretty decent wrestler and stuff. But then, like, you know, watching some of the stuff and what he later on became, it was like, I could take it or leave him. So... But he definitely had some good moves, all right? And they were talking about some of the uh, the youth in WCW at this time. So at this time, Kidman was 24 years old, while Rey mm-hmm. Mysterio was 23 years old. So I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Uh, we have a lot of Disco Sucks chants. The crowd was big big into Kidman. They liked him. Disco is doing his dancing again. Uh, so Kidman actually kicked out Disco's pile driver, the same move that he beat the Juice with. And then uh, Kidman does his little powerbomb face buster. And then his shooting star press, which at the time was very impressive. But not if you saw Ricochet or Will Ospreay, it's not impressive at all. So, But at the time, his shooting star at press time, is, very, yes. is very impressive. So, so what, what, what am I battling against? Oh, let me do my math. So basically the crowd, eh, I'll give the crowd about like an eight. They actually were pretty hot for this match. I was pretty surprised. Uh, match quality, oh God, probably like a two. I mean, it was okay, but I just, I couldn't really get, uh, I'll give it a four, actually. They they actually uh, had some pretty good moves. And then the finish was just normal. I'll just give it a one. So, what, what, what am I competing against? What are we competing against, Allison? 
Uh, all right, you're gonna lose this one for sure. Okay. All right, you're competing against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Brian Pillman. Okay, might as well just uh, send the card in already <laughs> for my defeat. All right. <laughs> Two of the best technical wrestlers of all time. Uh, this went ten minutes. Um, the crowd. I mean, honestly, this was a great match. The crowd was into it. Pillman was young at this point. Oh, he was. So great. he was a. He was a. He was a new a new wrestler going you know going against a legend, which you see that actually quite a bit, I guess, in this uh, in this show. Yeah. Um. You know, you have like you know in the last match it was like that. You had three pretty young wrestlers against three veteran wrestlers. Uh. So you had Steamboat, uh, ultimately getting one over on the young Brian Pillman. Um. But this, I the crowd was into this. I'm going to give this a ten. Match quality a ten. Uh. The ending, I actually cannot remember what the finish was on this. So we're going to give that a five. But, uh, yeah, this is this was a hell of a match. One of the best matches of the night. Yeah, definitely a fun match. And I liked seeing, like, heel, uh, heel Brian Pillman come out there with the baby face yes. Ricky Steamboat. Very good. Very yep. very technical. Very high-flying. Good stuff there. So Looks like we're one and one right now, Allison. So One and one. So the next match we have, so we don't have no promos after this. We just go straight into the next match. So my next match is going to be Scott and Scott Steiner and the Giant versus Rick Steiner and Buff Bagwell for the World Tag Team Straps, brother. Fucking two big, two big men, beefy men, about to throw down in here. We get some action, and you know what we get right in the beginning of the match? You know what we get, everybody? We get a swerve, brother, because Buff Bagwell turns on Rick Steiner, hits him in the balls, and he just leaves. And oh, who saw that coming? Yeah, who saw, yeah, I mean, fuck. NWO for life, brother. All right, making it happen. So after this happens, we get Rick uh, Scott Steiner and the Giant on a two-on-one for like a long time. Like this shit was probably like 10 minutes. I was like, fuck, man. Like, So I don't know if this was an idiot, but they made Rick Steiner look like some sort of like Superman over here. Like this guy, he was getting beat on and beat on and beat on him. And then the giant is about to do a drop kick off the top rope, which is very, very impressive. This guy had to be like over 500 pounds, you know, big ass dude. So he's on the top rope, takes a little while to get his feeding. And then he jumps off and he kicks Scott Steiner. And this is like the best part of the match. When he kicks Scott Steiner, Scott Steiner took like the funniest bump. This guy was like fucking... He's like in the middle of the ring. Giant gets on the top rope, drop kicks him. Rick moves out of the way. Uh, Giant kicks Scott and Scott just like flaws all the way back with his feet hanging off of the ropes and stuff. I thought it was fantastic. And then yes, um, this was a good match. Yes, and it was pretty crazy. Like for it's pretty good match for just being a, a two on one. You know, Rick Steiner. Like okay, so uh, <laughs> another funny part about this was um, this was the uh, the the year. That Rick Steiner got called out by Chucky. All right, so forgot <laughs> about this. <laughs> so, which is always funny because a lot of people thought that that angle happened on Halloween Havoc, but it didn't. That angle actually happened on Monday Nitro. Like I think it happened like a week before Halloween Havoc, where Chucky was basically saying like, "You suck, Rick Steiner. You're a piece of shit. I'm gonna have Scott Steiner star in my new movie and stuff." Which is so funny nowadays because nowadays we get Chucky. All around these NXT Halloween Havocs. Like, he's all around all of them and stuff. And it is pretty cool to see uh, Rick's um, son, Braun Baker, uh, compete at Halloween Havocs. You know, because the fucking Rick Steiner and this Halloween Havoc, this guy was like Superman. So, Scott Steiner's down from that kick from the giant. 
Rick Steiner gets on the top rope, does his uh, top rope bulldog on the Giant and pins the Giant, and he wins the World Tag Team belts. So, and they're, they're debating, like, who the fuck's going to be his partner? I mean, like, like technically he's Buff Backwell, but I guess not. So, now, since he yeah. won the match, now uh, Rick Steiner has to go into the to the ring with him and face him. But Rick, I mean, Scott wants to leave. And Scott and the Giant are about to leave. And then fucking Rick just goes there, pushes the Giant away, grabs Scott, puts him in there. Giant came and come up to him. Rick just punches the Giant. He's out of there. And then we have a match between Rick and um, Scott Steiner. And this match is going or you know going back and forth, and then eventually we have somebody come out of the crowd who's dressed up like Vince McMahon, okay, attacks Rick Steiner, and then eventually Scott puts him puts him in the Steiner recliner, and then we find out that the person who attacked him was Buff Bagwell. So, so not bad. Uh, a lot of a lot of different drama happened in this match. Um, you know, crowd reaction for for Rick was really good, so I'm gonna definitely gonna have to give that a ten. Uh, match quality, I mean, it was like a two on one. It wasn't bad, but it was like, you know, it just it felt like it dragged on for a little bit. So I'm probably gonna give that a four. Finish was shocking uh, the first time, but the second time I'm not sure, so I'm just gonna give it a five. So not too bad. So what what are we competing against, Austin? What we got going on? Um, you you are competing against. Uh, another match with two big beefy men doing big beefy men things. Nice. Uh, this is where uh, Rick Rude uh, had hired uh, Big Van Vader to defend his title against Nikita Koloff. So you had Big Van Vader versus Nikita Koloff. Um, uh, Vader was not a new wrestler at this time, but no. he was probably new to America, um, I would say, because he was famous in Japan before he got to the United States. So I think that he... Uh, he uh, he was not new, but he was new to us probably. Yes. Uh, so then again, you had a newer wrestler again, you know, wrestling against a legendary wrestler. Uh, this match was fan fucking tastic. I was. mean, they fought all over the, they fought all over the, not all the arena, but around the ring and they went out of the ring and the big angle that, or big angle, but the big story they were trying to tell, I guess, was that uh, Nikita or Vader had hurt Nikita's arms. We couldn't do the deadly Russian sickle, which nobody can kick out of. Ooh. And uh, you deadliest know, he was, he was the deadliest move in wrestling, the Russian sickle. Yeah, he was not, and he was in, he was kind of getting this big, mo- powerful man was being overpowered by the mammoth Big Van Vader. Um, crowd was super into this. I mean, th- these guys were both over. Crowds going crazy, especially when they're fighting around the ring and beating the shit out of each other. Um, the ending, the ending was not as good as it could have been, but it was a very good ending. It had, you know, Nikita almost having a comeback and um, and ultimately uh, succumbing to the uh, uh, the slams of Vader. And that power Vader bomb he did was wild. A power bomb, yes, the power bomb of Vader, and then he. Uh, uh, he retained Rick Rude's title and all is well in the Rick Rude universe. So right. I'm going to give this tens all around, to be honest with you. This was fantastic. Yeah, you definitely won that one. Because that match was fantastic, man. They're just going there beating the shit out of each other. Like Vader versus like small guys, big guys. Like He always gave a great performance. Yes. So, and this is like peak Vader right here. So... 
Yeah, that fucking Nikita. And as, <laughs> I liked how, like, you know, Nikita Kov now resigning in America, everybody. He is now a baby face. He's in, he lives in America <laughs> now, not that evil Russian, even though he's he, Russian. Yeah, because yeah, uh, that's a good, that was kind of a good storyline that Dusty came up with. And uh, Dusty was so far ahead of his time. Like, he was, he was a forward thinker in wrestling for sure. Cause, you know, around this time, what was happening in the world was that, you know, the Cold War was kind of winding down and like we were, the United States, you know, was not on like nuclear alert against the Soviet Union at all times. And that's when they turned Nikita face because now the Russians are friendly uh, or more friendly than they used to be. And it's opening up a little bit and Nikita Koloff is going to be a face. But yeah, they did mention through this whole thing was of how he, he now lives in the United States and he is no longer a, a Soviet citizen or whatever. Uh, or whatever it was, and uh, he is now he is now no longer a foreigner, is what they're basically saying. Yes, <clears throat> he is the baby faced man now. So yeah, definitely a fun match. That match was awesome. I loved it too. Mm-hmm. So up next for my Halloween havoc, we actually have probably my favorite storyline match of the night. Um, and I actually remember this match not being as good when I was younger, but when I watched it back, I was like, man, I was pretty impressed by the actual storytelling of this match. I thought it was fantastic. So we're gonna have Scott Hall versus Kevin Nash. This is when they're doing, you know, the whole drunk angle. Uh, Scott is coming out there. He's kind of like, it's not necessarily acting like he's like super drunk, but you could tell like he might be like a little tipsy. He has like a cup of water. The, the announcer's like, "Oh, what's in that drink?" And hey, guys, remember Scott's been here for three days in Las Vegas. We don't know what he's been up to. So Kevin Nash comes out, huge reaction. Like this was when Kevin Nash was like fucking super popular. You know, people loved him. The Wolf Pack were super popular. They always had a great theme. I loved it. It was great. Um, so Scott beats his ass early. So basically what Scott does, he takes that drink, which I guess was supposed to be vodka, but it's probably just water. And he pours it into uh, Nash's eyes. And then he just beats Nash's ass like around the ringside and everything. Nash is like busted open and stuff. And um, the, we have some of the uh, referees and the, the trainers check on Nash. And Scott does a promo saying, like, hey, you know, now you will see the world through googly eyes. All right. And then Scott brings it back into the ring, beats his ass some more. Um, you know, you, you could tell the crowd's like getting like, oh, they're like, they didn't expect this to happen. They just thought Nash was going to beat the shit out of Hall since how bigger Nash is compared to Hall. So the crowd was like chanting like Wolf Pack, Wolf Pack, Nash, Nash. So they're getting very into it. I was getting pretty into it too. I was like, man, we got to, you know, it, 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 I thought the storyline was great because, you know, they're two best friends. Nash is is in uh, turmoil. He doesn't want to beat up his best friend because has a commentary say they are more than brothers, which I'm not really sure what that's supposed to mean. Does that mean like lovers or something? <laughs> I went, I went, I went. I wonder about that too, because that was like one of the biggest, like, um, what's the word? I'm like, like faux pas or whatever you want to say yeah. of, that I've heard on a live wrestling commentary. Yeah. The other one, not to go on a tangent, but the other one was in, I believe it was King of the Ring 99 when Triple H was on commentary. Yeah. And um, they, uh, they're taught, there's like some um, Mexican wrestler that's wrestling and they're talking about him being bilingual. And Triple H says, I'm by something, but it's not bilingual. <laughs> and then they pause for a second. They fly for a second for like, I don't know, like five or ten seconds, maybe. And then Triple H is like, did I mean to say that? And JR is like, be that as it may, we're live. We're live. And then they go straight into the match. 
I think my favorite one of that um, was like something like they, they they said it, but they probably didn't mean to say it like the way they did. And this yeah. this is like a Ric Flair saying. I, it was like when Ric Flair was like in a feud with Bischoff, he screamed at the top of his lungs, "Bischoff, I'm gonna shave your head and your ass." I thought you're gonna shave his ass. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. I love that line. I love it. But yeah, like the commentator is like, yeah, you guys know like Nash and Scott, they're like more than brothers. I was like, okay, that's like, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> so eventually, Nash uh, gets the upper hand. He uh, he does like a back body drop. He always did a really great great back body drop because he's so tall. And um, this is when he's fighting back on Scott. Um, you know, very slow paced match, but very effective, I thought, for what they were doing. And then the finish was fucking Scott Hall takes a fantastic power bomb. Like that shit looked like it. That shit hurt me watching him do it. Like oh, fucking God, yeah. Nash brought him up so the first one he brought him up so high. And they, Scott is not a short dude. He's probably like what six two or whatever. Like probably two fifty. Yeah, Scott Hall. No, he's gonna be taller than that. He's yeah. he's almost exactly the same size as the Rock. I wouldn't say yeah. he's like six four, but I could be wrong. But he's a big dude, man, and he brought him up for that power bomb fucking sky honey just crashed right down. I was like, fuck. The second one wasn't as pretty, but like he he powered bomb and again, you know, he got him up, he was struggling a little bit at the middle, but then Scott Hall went way up and then boom crashed down. I was like, those are the most beautiful power bombs I've seen. Like, I, I loved it. I thought that was a fantastic finish. And then Nash is just like, oh, fuck it. I'm, I'm out of here. He just walks away and he takes a count on victory. And they were basically just saying, like, you know, yeah, I guess he had to prove, he already proved his point. He didn't need to, um, he didn't need to, uh, you know, uh, beat him. He just was going to prove his point. So, very good storyline match. This is probably my favorite match on the card when it comes to that. So, for this one, I'm going to give tens all around, brother. So let's see if you can beat me or tie me. What do you got for us? All right. Well, tens all around. So it depends on how you look at that match. Um, and actually, ironically, this is going to be a similar match too. Um, so the ending of the match, of your match, I would say would was good. But, you know, the crowd wasn't really into it because they expected a Nash to pin it, which didn't happen. Okay. Um, I'll give you that. But but my but my match had a similar ending, so we'll go with that. So my match was our tag team match. Um, it was Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes versus uh, Steve Williams and Steve Austin. So this was absolutely fantastic. All four of these guys are great wrestlers. They're all wrestlers that I love. Um, Doctor Death on the mic uh, left a little bit to be desired. I'd never <laughs> seen him do a promo before I watched the show. I don't think. So, I, I, see I remember this promo. I see why he had people talking for him now. All right, but, can I do this promo, please? Can I do it, please? Okay. Please do it. <clears throat> <laughs> so much All right, Doctor Death, you got this. T- yes, uh, Terry Gore is not here, but I picked the best partner that a man can get. Tell him, Steve Austin, how great of a partner you are. Because you could talk and I can't. <laughs> like it was like two <laughs> seconds. Like, and then Austin's like, "Yeah, he picked me and I'm great." I was like, "Okay, that's the whole fucking promo." Like, okay, that, okay, we're we're just we're just moving along here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't promo at all. Like, he didn't want to say anything. <laughs> it's like, Austin, talk for me. 
<laughs> I don't know why you're here. You're just they booked you, and that's why <laughs> they they booked you because Gordy no showed. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> this was for the NWA and WCW World Tag Team Championships. Uh, Wyndham and Rhodes are the ta- champions. Um, this match was great. I mean, th- I mean, all four of these guys are great. They battled all over the place. Um, it went. It was thirty minute time limit. It went to a thirty minute draw. So. <sighs> 30-minute draw matches or draw matches in general. It's hard to decide if that's good or not. Is that a good ending? The crowd usually doesn't like it. Yeah. But it's kind of like watching a baseball game and watching, you know, a a pitcher's duel where one of the teams wins one to nothing. You know, it's like if you're really into wrestling, it's good. But if you're watching it to see an outcome, it isn't. So I don't know. I was going to confer with you. Well, uh, both our matches kind of had the same ending. Yeah. You know, they had a, they both had these kind of same uh, dissatisfied endings. So I was going to see if we would just give the endings for both our matches the same score. Yeah, we'll give them okay. Yeah, for, was right. it like a five? We'll give them both a five. Yeah, we'll both give them both a five. Um, for crowd reaction, up until the end, I would say the crowd reaction was a 10, but the ending, with it being a time limit draw, kind of brought that down a little bit to a seven. Wrestling in this has to be a 10. I don't know how anybody could argue with that. So I'm going to give it 10, seven, five, which I, which would edge, edge me out a little bit. Um, cause you gave yours a 10, 10, five. Yeah. So I, I win that one brother. It's yeah, And I can't argue. I can't really argue with that. I mean that, I mean that hat Nash hall match was fantastic. The story was good. It was fan. It was great. Yeah, it was absolutely. I was pretty surprised. So, but yeah, I mean the the tag team match. So I was also surprised with your match. I mean that was a thirty minute draw for a tag yes, team a match. Yes, thirty minute draw on pay per view. Like you barely see that nowadays. So I thought that was well. You know, I could probably see that on AEW. Well, probably. Doing I was going to say when AEW yeah. did it with Hangman and Moxley. No, no, I think it was uh, uh wasn't it Kenny Kenny and Hangman versus the Bucks? I think it was a thirty minute right. Well, I was th- thinking of one. Didn't they have a match that was Hangman and somebody that went for a time limit draw on 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 Dynamite? Oh, that was Hangman and Brian. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. went for a time limit draw on Dynamite, um, mm-hmm. and it was like half the show or whatever, like an hour long draw or something like yeah, that. But that was one on one. So, yeah, that was one on one. But that was, uh, yeah, that that's you just don't see time limit draws. Well, do, yeah. do, do matches even have time limits anymore, other than in AEW? Not really. Yeah, just I think AEW and New Japan are the only ones that actually do like the time limits. New Japan probably more than anybody. But uh, yeah, we're yes. rolling around here, guys. So uh, <laughs> tie right now. We're tied for the Halloween Havoc, brother. Mine's holding we are up. Tied. So it, it, you're holding up better than I thought you were going to. <laughs> yes. But this match, I we'll see. We'll see what this one compares to because this match right here was a special little gem here in Halloween Havoc because we have yes. Sting. Wolfpack Sting with the beard, brother, uh, versus Brett the Hitman Hart. I mean, come on now. Like, that's uh, two legends going at it here on Halloween Havoc, brother. I like it. So, the big line with this, this is for the United States Championship belt. Uh, So, you know, Brett Hart in WCW was, like, weird because it just, they never really used him to his full potential. They tried a couple times, but it just never really, like, worked out too well. So, I, I just yeah. I don't think they they knew they, if they wanted to make him a heel or babyface. So at this time he was a heel, and he was aligned with uh, Hollywood Hogan and stuff. While Sting obviously was with the Wolfpack, and um, you know this is like a, a dream match. I guess they were booking here. You know Bret Hart versus Sting. 
So, you know, at the beginning, yeah. there was a lot of stalling by Bret Hart. So Bret Hart, as we saw in 1997, is a fantastic heel. I mean, he can do baby face. He can do heel. He can pretty much do anything. So I thought Bret was a very good, like, calculating heel, like pro wrestling heel during this, you know, doing a lot of stalling. Um, he, 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 we have a lot of like, uh, technical wrestling in the mat, you know, Bret Hart matches are very technical where he works on a body part to set up for the sharpshooter because during this match, it was the uh, sharpshooter versus the scorpion deathlock, which are the same moves. Just called different. They're like applied, right. they're applied a little different, but not too much. Um, so a uh, big thing about this was, you know, um, Bret Hart was doing some cheating. Okay. So we had a, a pretty good uh, spot where um, Sting was on the ropes and Bret Hart was like attacking him. Like he would like run to him, attack him, run back. He would run to attack him, run back. And then the referee was going to go check on Sting, but Sting thought that was Bret Hart. So Sting uh, knocked him with the elbow and knocked the referee out. And then <laughs> Bret Hart just dropped the leg on him. And so right. during this, that's when uh, uh, he... Uh, he knocked Sting down, and then this is when he got off Sting's baseball bat that, that Sting brought to ringside, and he knocked him with the bat a couple of times, knocked him on the... Like, these bat shots actually look pretty good compared to the uh, the bat shots that we got at Extreme Rules <laughs> with uh, Ronda mm, yes. and Liv. These, these ones, he was laying them in and stuff, hits him on the throat, hit him on the throat, and he eventually puts him... The, he wakes up the referee. There was one spot that was kind of weird. Like... um. I think it was uh, Sting. He did a, a, super pre- a superplex off the top rope to, to Bret Hart. And, Bre- and Bret Hart's legs like landed on the referee. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so yeah. Like, he, like, <laughs> the referee, like, I'm pretty sure that he definitely broke the referee's ankle when, they, uh, when he fell. Yeah, he but, fucking yeah. fell right the on the referee was in the wrong spot for that. So after Sting, he did, uh, after Bret, he'd used the baseball bat on Sting. And he'd used the baseball bat towards Sting's like neck or throat. He put him in the sharpshooter. And then Sting was basically passed out. We did the whole uh, raising the hand for for three. So Bret Hart mm-hmm. wins that match. Uh, then we had a long, long package of Sting being uh, wheeled out uh, on, to the ambulance because he basically got knocked out by Bret. So you know this match is very this match is very slow pace. You know, very very technical. Um, I like the heel aspect of um, of Bret Hart in this match. Um, the crowd, I would say. The crowd wasn't really like super energetic for this match, but Bret Hart did get some good crowd heat, so I'm gonna give it a five for the crowd heat. The match quality, I mean, it's different, but it's very like it's very like realistic. You know what I mean? Like that's what I like about Bret Hart matches, where they they actually have a lot of purpose. If you like diagnose yeah. the match, so I'm definitely gonna have to give it a ten. Finish actually was a good old school finish too. I'm about to give that an eight. So this match was very. Um, it wasn't my favorite match on the card. There was a couple like boring spots to it, uh, but I for for actual like you know watching the match and then putting all the stuff together. I'll probably that's probably a pretty good score. I would say crowd reaction ten, quality of match ten. I mean crowd reaction five, quality of match ten. Finish is around like an eight. You know for the drama. So what am I yeah. competing against? Well, first of all, let's make a couple comments about your, your oh, yeah, go ahead. about your comment about Bret Hart. So, yeah, WCW act like they never really knew what to do with Bret Hart. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why they didn't just bring Bret Hart in as somebody who could feud against the NWO, but they didn't. I don't know why they didn't do that. Um, also, Bret act, kind of acted like he didn't want to be there the whole time. 
Um, like, I don't know that Brett ever really did until Vince Russo got there. I don't know that, that Brett ever really did anything where he was very enthusiastic acting about it. Um, but I think that his whole, the way he left WWF just kind of broke his heart. And then his brother, um, his, no, his brother wasn't dead yet. He wouldn't die till the next summer, but, um, but yeah, and that would basically ruin him for, for, for wrestling forever, I think. But he, uh. You know, when he first came out, he was kind of aligned with Hogan. Said it was kind of implied that he was an NWO, but he never, he never threw up the sign, and he never wore an NWO shirt. But he's always hanging out with Hogan, acting like a you know, uh, you know, a, a shitty heel. You know, like he was just always pissed off all the time about whatever. Um, yeah, so I don't know. They they completely misused Bret Hart somehow. I mean, you know, one of the best of all time. Um, I don't know how anybody could argue with that. I, I talked to somebody recently who was like, yeah, I don't think Bret Hart is, is a good wrestler. I've always disliked him. And I'm like, I don't know what you're I don't know how you could possibly say that. That's like saying, I don't think, you know, Wayne Gretzky was a good hockey player. Um, but there are always those people out there that just don't like those like them for whatever reason. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I think that this was as good as it could have been um, for what they're working with at the time, you know, Sting and uh, Bret Hart. You can't really go wrong with that. I would agree with your assessment of this match, too. So, thank God, I also have a barn burner to put up against that. So, we have Rick Rude defending his title for the second time tonight. Well, the first time was Vader. But um, his his second title is being defended. The NWA World Heavyweight Championship uh, champion Rick Rude with Medusa. It was the NWA one, right? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Did I say WCW? Yes, the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. He's defending it against the wrestling legend. Well, he was not a legend then, but he is now. Masahiro Chono. So this is obviously pre-NWO Chono. So this is like, you know, this is, I'm a good wrestler, Chono. I'll wear bright colors. He's not wearing the black yet. And he's not, he's not the dark, uh, you know, uh, rich guy that he would kind of portray later on. Yeah. He was just a good wrestler. Um, he came out with Hiro Matsuda, and he. So let me see if I can explain this because it was kind of this whole match is a little bit confusing, but they have two referees because I guess because Chono is a dirty foreigner you can't trust him, and because he's a dirty foreigner he doesn't trust the American wrestlers and their referees. So he gets to pick his own referee, and Rick Rude picked his own referee. And Rick Rude picked uh, Harley Race, and um, uh, Chono picked um, Kinsuke Sasaki, who Sasaki, um, probably not at this time, but he would go on to be um, one of the biggest wrestlers in New Japan. He was about to team with uh, uh, Road Warrior Hawk as the Hellraisers. Um, he was just a legit badass. Like, he was... He was a big guy. He was a power guy, but he was also really quick, which we'll see before this match is over. The beginning of the match, they flipped a coin to see who was going to be the in-the-ring referee and out-the-ring referee. Uh, Rick Rude won, so Harley Race got to be in the uh, in the ring um, wearing uh, his traditional black and white rest referee's outfit. Sasaki wore the Japanese wrestling outf- uh, referee outfit at the time, which was like a blue dress shirt and a bow tie. Um, in black dress pants. Um, and then our match starts. So this is a very, very long match again. So we spent another 30 minutes. It was 22 minutes and 23 seconds long. So we spent another back and forth 
uh, match. Oh, before we start, we got to have the typical Rick Rude bullshit where he takes off his shirt oh and God. shows how sexy. Oh, it's pre- <laughs> he said, <laughs> all right, he was like, yes, are you flabby? <laughs> are you flabby inner city sweat hogs? Quiet. Yes. So I can show you what a <clears throat> real man looks like when I take off my robe. <laughs> oh, I love him. Oh, my God. This guy was so great. I love him. And he was in good shape. I mean, he was—he he didn't even have shape. a six-pack. He had like an eight or a And he had, he, um, was, he was chiseled. And he had Medusa out with them. And he had Medusa out with him. Did, pre, didn't, pre-boob they, didn't, they do that, uh, didn't they do that <clears throat> promo segment with Paul Heyman and Medusa? Where like she oh, kicks I forgot about shit. that. I, I forgot about that. <clears throat> so <laughs> That shit was funny as hell. I love Where that Heyman segment. Heyman comes out and just screams at Medusa for a few minutes, and then she beats the shit out of him. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, but she, yeah. He, he's, like, he's like, listen, listen, Medusa, all right? You're just a woman, okay? You can't do anything, all right? You can't beat up nobody because you're just a woman. You should go out there and make yeah. me some food and shit. You are here because Rick Rude, you're only here because uh, Rick Rude needed you to do whatever he needs. And the only reason I picked you is because the other hooker wasn't available. I was like, the that's fucking great, bro. <laughs> this guy is crazy. I was like, damn, yeah, that, that came out of nowhere. Paul Heyman. That's a Paul Heyman promo. <laughs> yeah. And then right she fucking there. kicks the and shit like, out of him. Yeah. <laughs> that and was great. <laughs> but Paul Heyman was great on the show. He was just like crazy when that happens. And then like, and then Jesse Ventura, and then they were debating like JR and Jesse Ventura. And Jesse was like, JR was like, I bet Medusa can kick his butt. And even Paul Heyman <laughs> said he can win with one hundred times back. And then Jesse was like, well, maybe she can't. You know, she is just a woman. <laughs> wow yeah speaking wow. of things that you can't do today yeah exactly i was like damn okay but i mean you know they were just trying to get heat and that yeah. got heat so and it worked but and rick then, rude course, man he was great so yes yeah so this match was fantastic so i know that you are a much much larger fan of rick rude than i am yes um but this match is what won me over toward the the rick rude camp he was great i mean because i always didn't like Rick Rude because I just considered him like a body. He's like, to me, he was like Lex Luger. He was a body guy, but he wasn't really, I never thought of him as a really good wrestler. He was really good. He was really good in this. Uh, Chono is a fantastic wrestler and can have a good match with anybody. But, you know, in this match, they were back and forth for the whole 22 minutes. Um, It was, it was, it was great. Um, Had a controversial ending. So the ending ended up being, uh, uh, well, they get knocked out of the ring. Uh, Harley Race um gets it gets knocked out of the ring, and uh, Sasaki has been hit by somebody. He gets injured, so he's down. So in the in that time, um, Chono pulls his comeback. He gets um, uh, he gets rude in the uh, STF, which was his, which is Chono's finishing move before John Cena took it. Yeah. Um, and um, he gets him in the STF. Then Harley Race and Sasaki are in the ring. Uh, Rude taps out. Sasaki claims Sasaki claims he's the winner. Gives him the belt. But then we have this arcane rule that it's hard to believe actually existed. But oh, yeah. Harley Race reverses that decision because um, Sasaki threw Rude over the top rope, which disqualified him. Because back during these this era, you couldn't throw anybody over the top rope. Uh, it was a disqualification if you did. Yep, they, they got because rid of that it was pretty too soon. dangerous. Yes, exactly. Yeah, 
you gotta, you gotta I mean, cheat you know. better to throw him over the top rope. <laughs> right. So, uh, so, so it was reversed, and they gave the title back to uh, they, um, they gave the title back to Rick Rude, even though he technically lost. Um, one thing, a couple of things that I thought were very funny and interesting about this match was. Uh, this goes back to the JR and um, the JR and Jesse Ventura thing, where at the beginning of this match, Rick Rude walks up to Tono and starts talking to him, like, you know, jawing off to him or whatever. And um, JR says something like, Why is he talking to him? It's not like he understands what he's saying or something like that. And then Jesse Ventura says, Well, maybe he's talking to him in Japanese. And JR's like, Well, I highly doubt that. And then JR is like, well, how do you know, Ross? And then JR says, because I know he don't speak Japanese. And they're like yelling at each other for like a minute about how, whether Rick Rude speaks Japanese or not, which I thought was fantastic. Um, uh, it was a good strong style match. Um, you know, the ending, I guess you could say, is a little controversial, but it allowed both men to come out on top. You know, Sasaki actually won. I mean, Sasaki. Uh, Chono actually won. Um but Rick Rude got to keep the title because I'm sure Chono's going to go back to New Japan. Um, the ending of the match, I think, was the best part, or the, the post-match was the best part. Um, so Sasaki gets pissed off and rips off his ring attire, or ring, rips off his shirt, which is his, you know, his referee outfit. Um, and then he beats the shit out of Rick Rude, Harley Race, and then stands in a ring with Chono and flexes. But the funny thing about this was somehow, even though he ripped his shirt completely off, he left the bow tie and the collar still attached around his neck. Yeah, I saw that. So he looks like a Chippendales dancer or something. <laughs> so he's just standing there flexing with his collar around his neck with the bow tie, yeah. which I thought was hilarious. And I also liked how, um, but, um, how he like did a big bump for Harley Race too. He like yeah, he did. He did. True. Like he fucking uh, punched his ass out and suplexed Harley Race. I was like, damn, I didn't know Harley Race was taking bumps around this time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was I would say honestly to me. The only thing about the crowd reaction was that with this was is that at this point, crowds are pre-programmed to boo Japanese wrestlers, uh, no matter what. But I believe he did win the title up to the crowd over. So I'm going to give this 10, 10, 10 all around. Ooh. I think this match was absolutely perfect. I mean, what do you think? I'm trying to see. So... Uh, I might have to give it to you because there was a lot of drama in the match. Yeah. <clears throat> towards the end, uh, we had a great fire up spot towards the end too, um, with the referee getting involved. You know, we have very yeah. swal- solid work in the ring. Uh, Rick Rick Rude is great character. So yeah, I, I, I'll give you that. I'll give. I mean, I would um, say I still I still think my match was better, but you know, I th- I still think my match was better. Yeah. But um, but they they they, they, they yeah they were close. They were close. Yeah, I'd say these are pretty close. So we'll, we'll give you the edge on this one. Just because, you know, but the only thing I had a problem with the Bret Hart and Sting match, even though I know it worked well for the match, was all the stalling that was on there. Mm. It wasn't like just constant action like yours was. So I think yours had a little bit better match quality to it, which is, you know, um, you know, like I said, these yeah, are two great fast. testers. So. Yeah. So we'll they, give you. They went the whole 20 minutes. <clears throat> we'll give you that one, but this next one. I'm about to destroy whatever you have on your card. You know why? You know why I'll send everybody out there? Because I'm talking about the biggest return match in wrestling history, brother. We have Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior. This match is eight years in the making. All right? 
We have Hogan coming out, fucking posing everywhere. And then we have the one warrior nation himself, the ultimate warrior. Warrior's entrance it was actually pretty great. It was like him talking for a little bit and like just like thrash music coming out too. So I also thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Hogan's outside of the ring saying he's going to kill this guy. All right. Um, <laughs> we hear some, uh, we hear some booze for a little bit. Uh, Warrior is, of course, jacked as hell. And then uh, we start doing some of the actual match. <laughs> so a lot of arm <laughs> arm uh, holds. Uh, we have a lot of, like, long tests of strength. Like, i never seen a test of strength take this long before. Like, this thing was forever. Like, they're just holding each other's hands with, like, Hogan's, like, I mean, they're holding each other's hands with Warrior's head near Hogan's crotch the whole time. Uh-huh. Uh, we get and then during that we get a little bit of boring yeah. chance happening there. Yes, uh, we get some more Shocking. arm drags <laughs> or arm holds. Uh, then do we have like a crisscross spot? And then finally Hogan body slams Warrior. So we actually got some heat going on this match now. Uh, and then like Hogan's like outside for a little bit, and he actually calls Warrior over. I guess Warrior forgot a spot. Um, then we have. Uh, <laughs> The ref, he gets uh, dumped in this match, too, because uh, Hogan, like, almost tripped over Warrior, and he hit the referee. And then when uh, Hogan hit the referee, he, he dropped a knee on the ref. So we have, like, two back-to-back referee falling spots on the same card. We had one in the Bret Hart match. Now we have one in the Hogan match. So the Giant comes out to try to help Hogan. Warrior fights him off. And we also had Stevie Ray and Vincent out there, too, and they both get knocked off. So when the giant comes out here, he he failed again. He tried to kick. They tried to do the same spot a little bit like they did in the Steiner match, where the giant comes out there and he kicks. He doesn't do it off the top rope. He just does it on the um, on the mat itself. So he kicks uh, Hogan, and he's like, shit. <laughs> and then that's when uh, Warrior knocks off the giant. Then he knocks out Stevie Ray and Vincent, of all people. Uh, so this is when <laughs> Warrior um, is fighting back with Hogan. Hogan gives him like a little bit of a low blow. And then this is when Hogan tries to burn the warrior with the the famous flame. Mm. Like this spot was so bad. Like you could see Hogan in the corner. It looked like he had crack on him. <laughs> He's trying to go through his little <laughs> crack bag. Grabs it up. Like yeah. fucking uh, the warrior is just like talking forever. The referee's back up and the warrior is just talking forever to the to the referee. Just because like, I guess he would try to pin Hogan and then Hogan kicked out. And then Warrior walks over there, and then Hogan tries to do the flame, and the flame goes nowhere near the Warrior's face at all. Like, it just, like, flame right in front of Hogan's face. <laughs> and that was it. And then, yeah. um, and then they start, then they just basically just improvise the whole time. So Warrior's punching him a little bit. He goes on the top rope, does two axe handles on the top rope. Uh, <laughs> and then um, eventually, this is when Hogan does another low blow. He does a leg drop on him. Um, and then a warrior kicks out of the leg drop. Uh, this is when we have Bischoff comes out. He's distracting the referee because Horace, Horace Hogan has showed up. And then everybody's thinking, oh, Horace Hogan, he's, he's here to be on the warrior side. Uh, then we have warrior knock down Hogan. He's pumping up and everything. And then, um, Bischoff is still distracting the referee. Um, and then Horace comes in, nails Hogan in the back with the chair. Shocker moment. And then Hogan mm-hmm. pins the warrior and he picks up his win. And then they all hug. 
afterwards. And then Hogan tells Horace that you passed the test, brother. And then Horace tries to put some lighter fluid on fucking Warrior until Doug Didinger comes in there and saying, like, you guys can't burn this guy. And then they all just leave. <laughs> so yeah, that, that sums it up. Yes. So that was the return match of the century. Boy, it's a little rough. I'm not going to lie. Um, so I'll give him this. So Warrior and Hogan, they looked great. Like, they looked great. You know what I mean? Like... Mm-hmm. Out, you know, body wise, outfit, personality, that's great. Match quality, yeah, very slow. Uh, a lot of like, a lot of arm holds, a lot of like straight testing or something. Um, a lot of that going on there. Uh, the uh, the lighter spot, not that great. Uh, when they actually did big spots, the crowd did react to the big spots. Um, and then the finish, like Swerve, Horace Hogan. Is like let's hit Warrior with the chair and Warrior just goes down. This is the big Warrior return and Hogan got his win back by some means and <sighs> I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't really digging this match too much to be honest with you. So crowd, I'm gonna give it a a three because I did hear some boring chants. Quality of match, that's a one, and the finish was a. Can I can I give out negative scores? Um. Well, you can. <laughs> okay, because, yeah, this is our show. I can do whatever I want. So I'm going to give this a negative 10 because the finish was just so lame. Wow. Like, okay, so we have this big return match from eight yeah. years, okay? The first match that they did was great with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but this match, after eight years, we have interference, we have lighters, we have lighter fluids and shit, all this bullshit that we didn't even need. You know what I mean? So it's like... Like, if Lo- Hogan's going to win, he should have just low blowed his ass, dropped him on the leg, and then pinned his ass and get on out of here. But no, we had to have Horace Hogan here for some reason. Uh, turning back with Hogan or passing some tests. Like, who the fuck gave, gave a shit about Horace Hogan? You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just like all this yeah, well, extra Hulk bullshit. Did, honestly. Yeah. Hulk did. And Hulk, did, Hulk was, trying to, was trying, to push him, trying to push him as much as he could, um, you know, with his obvious lack of talent. But... <sighs> I don't know. Like, I think that this could obviously this could have been better. Yeah. But it 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 seems to me like he didn't Hogan didn't just want a squash warrior. And he didn't. But he realized But warrior going into this warrior seemed like he just wasn't on his game. Like he just wasn't good. You know, like like you were saying, like he can't he, he forgets spots. You know, he's just not like he's not as good as he was. So he's trying to, I think they were trying to come up with some ending to the match that would be, that would give them the ending they wanted, but it would also not make Warrior look really bad. And that's why we got this terrible ending. Yeah. Maybe. At least, I mean, I mean, I'm guessing. I don't know. I wasn't there. Well, but, I mean, were um, they trying to do a return match from this match or something? Like, it was just weird. Yeah. Right. So with those scores, I automatically win, but we'll talk about my match anyway. Yes. All right. So with this debacle that you just witnessed, oh. I'm not sure who was luckier because uh, the match I've got coming up might possibly be the weakest match of the night of the official matches. Um, but so the main event of my show was the world heavyweight championship, the WCW world heavyweight championship. 
uh, champion at the time was Ron Simmons. He was def- he was defending his title against the Barbarian, as we talked about earlier. Barbarian was on his uh, uh, training regimen with uh, uh, Cactus Jack. So the way this happened, um, this had this has a like a kind of a strange, convoluted way this match ended up happening. So Ron Simmons had just. I don't know, maybe seven years before that, probably six or seven years, had come out of being in the NFL, trained to be a wrestler, and then he was in Doom, where he wore a mask. Yes. Um, so, which Doom was a great tag team, but they were definitely just a uh, a, a mid card tag team um, of the typical put the two big black guys together and they're a tag team. Um, but they were very good. Um, then they split up and. Um, he kind of went solo and he did Simmons beat some people in the mid card throughout 91. Uh, he beat Oz who was, uh, uh, he beat Oz who was Kevin Nash and to beat the diamond stud who was Nash, uh, who was hall. Um, and then he lost to Lex Luger in a best of best of three falls match. Um, then he started a feud with cactus Jack in the first half of 92. And that went on for a while. And um, at the same time, there was supposed to be the big feud that was going to go into Fall Brawl and Halloween Havoc of that year was supposed to be Sting and Big Van Vader, but Jake Roberts injured Sting in real life. I mean, and not not in real life, but he uh, in storyline he injured uh, injured Sting. So they they had a raffle for who was going to win, who was going to compete for the world title. Ron Simmons won the right won that raffle. And then he beat Vader for the championship, becoming the uh, second African-American to ever win a world heavyweight championship and the first WCW championship. For some reason, the WWF considers The Rock the first African-American world champion, but that's not true. He was at least the third. Um, But that's neither here nor there for this point. So anyway, so for the next five, six months or whatever, he holds the title. And he continued to feud with Cactus Jack, and Cactus Jack never won the title, so he brought in the Barbarian. Barbarian was a classic wrestler uh, going up against the newer wrestler again. Uh, the Barbarian was wrestling for Crockett in the 80s, but he brought in the Barbarian to challenge Simmons so that he could finally get his revenge. Um, and, uh, you know, they have a match. It's a good match. But it's just a typical wrestling match. Um, the best part of the wrestling match, in my opinion, is Cactus Jack's reactions, at, like to all the near near falls. Um, but they, you know, they wrestle around. It's a big, uh, two big meaty guys doing big meaty things, beating each other up. Um, you know, it's pretty standard. The crowd seems to be somewhat into it. Um, the ending kind of sucks, in my opinion, because it basically ends with Barbarian beating the shit out of. Uh, Ron Simmons, and then he runs into the rope, and Ron Simmons like turns around and gets him into a power slam and pins him, and the, and the match is over. It's like there's no comeback or anything. He's just like, oh, okay, I can, I, I grabbed him, power slammed him, go home, and then you know that's that's the end of that match. Um, so, I mean, I I don't know. I, for the ending, I'm going to give this a one. For the crowd, I'll give it a five, and for the wrestling, I'll give it a seven which I think this is the weakest match of the night. Um, but it, it beats your match, though, <laughs> which is all that matters. I don't know, man, because, you know, there's a difference between boring 
and then like a clusterfuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> like there is no way that this Hulk and um Hulk Hogan and um Ultimate Warrior match is boring. Yeah. It was just very like no, weird. that's true. It wasn't boring. My match was a little bit boring. It was just it was just a typical match. It wasn't bad, but there was nothing special about it either. Um, I had to watch it again to re- remember who won it or to remember how it was won. But I we don't might, know. I mean, we might, what, have, to, your, we might what, have to do halves on this one because I do a draw. We have to do a draw because there's okay. The only thing I got to say about the Hogan Warrior match, like this one, is very memorable. Now, it doesn't mean it's memorable for the right things, but it's very memorable. So it's hard yeah, for some random world title match that nobody probably even remembered at all. Barbarian and Farouk. But, all right. Like Going how did how do they even in 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 kayfabe, how yeah. would you even convince yes. how would Cactus Jack even convince Bill Watts that Barbarian should face anyone for the world title? I don't know. Like what was the reasoning <laughs> behind that? He, he wanted a big guy to face this <laughs> other big guy so he can wear him big out. Guy. All right. So I mean I, I, I got it. We'll we'll go on halves, but I think just because the the magnitude of my match compared to yours, okay. like it has to beat it a little bit. But we'll do halves. All right, the Call of Duty. All right, because this my match definitely did suck. Okay. Yes. But it's very it's a it's a, a memorable suck. <laughs> so we'll give it a halves on everybody. So so now now is where the real controversy on on lights out uh, begins. So yeah. this is gonna be this is gonna be argument. We're gonna talk about this. But, uh, okay. but yeah, well, so, so now we're moving on. Yes. So we're moving on. So mine is an official main event while yours is technically not an official main event. Ooh, but technically okay, it is. That's though. true. So, but we'll, we'll, we'll compare them regardless. So my <laughs> main event is uh, a very good world title match between the champion Goldberg, who was white hot during this yes. era, and DDP. So yes. how they build up the match was DDP was the people's champ versus the world mm-hmm. champ Goldberg. Mm-hmm. So DDP comes out, the crowd is going nuts. He is just jumping all over the place. DDP is going to this, going to the right corner, going to the left corner. The fans are all pipe, uh, hyped up and everything. He's doing the diamond cutter sign. Like he was super over. DDP was super over. Um, we're getting some of the introductions. Um, I liked it how they uh, announced that Lorenzo Fortita was a part of the uh, commission crew, which obviously he would be the big UFC uh, owner. So I thought that was a nice little thing. We have Michael Buffer doing the whole introduction. His introductions are always so great. Um, and this is when, you know, DDP was, when he was coming out and stuff, we figured out that he won the title shot for winning war games of that year, which that, that war games that they did in 98 was a little different than how they usually do war games. Um, it was all like, I think it was just every man for himself in the war games compared to having teams. And that's the one where Warrior came out and the smoke and everything is pretty goofy. Um, so DP, like I said, was super over during this time. Goldberg comes in. He His intro was is awesome. You know, he we, we have a bunch of cops in the, in the dressing room. He bangs on the door, comes out there pissed off. Fucking, we lead him to the ring. I mean, this guy's fucking entrance was fantastic, you know. Like, you could tell he's a big deal. Smoking the fire and everything. Um, you know, when Goldberg was at his height, like, you know, in 1998, you know, as a, as a fan, I wasn't the biggest fan of Goldberg as a kid. No. Uh, I was more of a Steve Austin fan. But later on, 
in life, I, I came to I come to appreciate Goldberg. I don't think Allison. I don't think you're a big fan of the Goldberg, but I like. No, Goldberg. I I I actually got to where I like Goldberg less. Yes. Um, <laughs> and now I like him least of all. Well, um, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, nowadays. But you know, if I go back and watch old Goldberg stuff, I I can enjoy it. But you know, his stuff nowadays is just it's like why well, you, why yeah, is he, he just come sucks back? now? But <laughs> yeah. this was probably the best match Goldberg ever had. Yes. I mean, I, you know, maybe maybe there was some that were good or better or whatever. This one maybe, and the Hogan match the is probably got to be this match yeah. and the Hogan match mm-hmm. is probably the best one he's ever had. I think the match he had with The Rock wasn't too bad, too. But maybe those three are probably the best match. But this is definitely one of the best matches um, Goldberg ever had. Um, So we have some great back and forth. Like, they're locking up and everything. Like, they, this powerful lockup. Like, you can... You know, Goldberg showing off his strength and everything. DDP showing off his, like, uh, smarts. You know, they, they they lock up. They fall into the fucking, um, uh, out of the ring. And, you know, like we were kind of saying before, so, so WCW at this time, they thought they could do no wrong. Okay? So they're mm-hmm. airing this fucking pay-per-view, all right? And then right when they lock up, the pay-per-view cuts out. So basically... If you wanted to see this live, only the people in the audience that night at uh, Las Vegas saw it live. The pay-per-view feed cut out. Like they, the people didn't yeah. even get to watch the main event. So technically, I guess technically, mine's a lights happen. out. I guess technically, mine's a lights out match too. So I mean, yeah. So that was going to be my argument against yeah. this originally was yeah. that knowing that this was competition and this was a good match. Yeah. My my argument was going to be that this match didn't actually happen on the pay per view because nobody saw it. Yeah. So as soon as they lock up, the feed cuts off. Yeah. Um. However. You, as you pointed out in your lawyerly way, yes. technically my match didn't happen either because it was it was unsanctioned. It was a lights out match. Yeah. So I guess that counteracts the two things, and I guess we can continue forward uh, litigating this uh, yeah. this battle. Well, you know um, what I did was I used uh, Rick Rude's uh, lawyers, and I got that uh, yeah. overturned. So. Well, he has the best lawyers. Yes. Yeah, he has the best lawyers that got him overturned. So the match, like uh, I said, like very like back and forth, uh, very good back and forth action. Um, yeah. DDP, uh, DDP was actually getting a lot of offense on Goldberg, which is very rare at this time. Because usually when Goldberg would come out, he would just fucking beat up somebody for a little bit, spear, spear their ass, and jackhammer him. It wasn't until like the Hogan match or something where he actually had like a little bit of a longer match. Um, and so, you know, DDP's actually giving him a lot of good back and forth. And the crowd was just going wild. Like they, they wanted DDP to win, but they also wanted Goldberg to win too. So it was a very good dynamic of having two baby faces go out to each other. Um, so uh, going into the match a little bit, so Goldberg goes for a spear and he spears. And I think they said he got like a little knocked out during this part. So he got mm-hmm. speared and he like tipped his head to get, no- I don't think he got knocked out, but he got a little woozy. And then he, his arm actually was shown that there, the storyline is basically his arm. Since he did that spear in the corner, his arm is not working that well. So it's hard for him to do the drag hammer. So DDP got him, you know, got some little down on the mat and DDP is going for the diamond cutter symbol. And then right when he did that, Goldberg spears him. But since he speared him, Goldberg's um, arm is still hurt. So Goldberg tries to go jackhammer him. This battle was pretty awesome. So Goldberg tries to go jackhammer him and he couldn't get him up at first. And then he tried to get him up again and then DDP reversed it into a diamond cutter. And the crowd went crazy. They were like, oh shit. You know, like they thought this is Goldberg Street is done. DDP 
winning and stuff and they were just like freaked out you could see the crowd like just like whoa we you know they're like they couldn't believe what was going to happen but the problem was ddp was so hurt from that spear he could barely make the cover so when he actually made the cover um after a couple minutes goldberg kicked out so then we had a little bit more back-to-back. Um, uh, uh, DDP was going to go for a suplex, and then Goldberg reversed the suplex into the jackhammer, and he pinned DDP, one, two, three, and Goldberg is now 155-0. and 0. And the crowd is super happy, and they go off the air uh, with Goldberg and uh, DDP hugging, and Goldberg showing up his big gold belt brother. So fantastic match, probably the best drama match that Goldberg ever had. Uh, the crowd was super hyped. I mean, this big feeling match type to it. Quality of the match was great too. So this one's 10 all the way around for me. This is probably like the most, um, I'd say besides the Scott and Hall match, this is probably like the best match of the night. Just for all the big build up to it, like the, the main event feel of it. The crowd was super hyped. We had a great spots in the match. You know, DDP uh, worked very well with Goldberg. Um, I just thought this match was fantastic all the way around. So... The match of the night, I'll probably give it to this one. Uh, the second one's going to be Scott and Nash, but the match of the night is definitely Goldberg and DDP. Yeah, I mean, this was a good match. I mean, I I can't stand Goldberg. I don't. I I hate when people are just handed things, and Goldberg was just handed this world title, um, which is why I'm always uh, particularly um, pissy when. Uh, um. You know, like he'll con- he'll um, criticize somebody like uh, uh, Matt Riddle. Uh, he'll con- he'll uh, you know he'll criticize somebody like Matt Riddle, um, but Riddle has done more in wrestling, in my opinion, than Goldberg has. And Goldberg was a WCW World Champion and a WWF World Champion, but he was handed both of those titles. He didn't earn either one of those. He didn't work for it. I, you know, I don't know, whatever. I mean, I'm sure there will be some people that would have a, a different opinion and you're, you're probably one of them, but yeah, I just, I've never let Goldberg. Um, I also don't like him because he basically ruined Bret Hart's career um, just because he was unsafe. Um, so I don't know. We're putting that up against my match. So my match is what it is. It was, uh, it was a lights out match. It was uh, Jake, the snake Roberts versus stink. Um, so how this match happened was Sting. Okay, so we previously on our match we had the Barbarian and Cactus Jack being allied, and uh, I'm uh, yes, Barbarian Cactus Jack being allied, and Jake was also allied with those guys going into '92. Um, he lost a four way, or excuse me, he won um, a pinfall victory over Sting in a four way match. Um, which set up this match for Halloween Havoc. Now, why I can't figure out why it was a lights out match, um, but they, uh, as I mentioned before, they had a wheel that had twelve matches types on it, and they spun the wheel, and whatever it landed on was the kind of match they had to have. Now, according to Mick Foley, the wheel was not gimmicked, so oh, they didn't no know. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's no way that can be true. But Mick Foley says the wheel wasn't gimmicked. And they and it it did land on the worst possible option because <laughs> any of the other options would have been a better match. Yeah. But somehow it ended up on the coal miners glove match, which uh, if people don't know, apparently a coal miners glove is a work glove with steel wrapped around it. 
and then they put it on a pole. Whoever gets the glove can use it against their opponent. That's the whole gimmick of the match. So <laughs> going into this, when you, as soon as you saw the ring on this, you knew that Sting was going to get the glove because that, that pole was like 30 feet tall, and there's no way Jake Roberts <laughs> was going to climb that damn pole. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure Sting <laughs> would be able to climb it either, but you knew Jake wasn't going to climb that damn pole. So, you know, you knew how this was going to end. But, I mean, it was a good match as far as wrestling goes. I mean, both those guys are great. I love Sting. I love Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts is one of the best wrestlers ever, one of the best talkers ever, in my opinion. Um, it goes back and forth. Um, they have a good match uh, with very little cheating. Nobody interferes until the very end. Um, there's one scene where uh, Jake is trying to climb the pole <laughs> and, um, you know, he slides back down, of course, and Sting comes running up to stop him. But I think Jake slid down the pole quicker than he was supposed to. So Sting like flies over around the turnbuckle on the outside of the ring and then just basically just stops on the other side and just punches him when he was supposed to probably jump up on the pole and knock him off. Um, but that, you know, they made the best out of that that they could. Um, it does... Come, the ending comes when uh, oh the crowd's really into it too through the whole match. The the crowd the ending does come with uh, Sting uh, Sting climbing the pole. Um, Sting climbs the pole, and as he's climbing the pole to get the coal miner's glove, Cactus Jack runs out of the back with a bag, and of course the bag has a cobra in it because it's it's that snake that's uh, Jake's gimmick right. Um, so he's he's uh comes out of the bag, the back with the bag, gives it to Jake. Jake's about to get, or gets a snake out of the bag. Um, at the same time, Sting comes down from the pole with the glove, hits Jake with the glove. Jake goes down. The Cobra bites Jake in the face with an incredible amount of blood um, for a snake bite. Um, it bites Jake in the face. Uh, Jake's wrestling with the, uh, with the Cobra. Um, Sting wins. Jake kind of stumbles to the back with the Cobra attached to his face. And that's pretty much our show, but the wrestling was good. Jake, um, Jake did sell. I mean, he sold his arm injury real well. Jake was really good at selling like, you know, injuries. Um, you know, uh, the crowd was into it. The wrestling was into it. The ending was kind of shit. Um, I would give it a 10, 10 and a five, which would, uh, get beaten by your match for sure. Your match was definitely better than mine. What's your, what's your opinion on this? Yeah. So, I mean, this one had a very unique gimmick match that's still remembered to this day because of how goofy it was. Like we had yeah. like shit, like cage match, first blood match. I quit match. What are they going to give us? Mm -hmm. Coal miners glove, brother. Coal miners daughter. Yeah. Daughter. Yeah. Coal miners glove. <laughs> Coal miners daughter. Yes. yes. Coal miners glove. <laughs> the winner gets the daughter. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was thinking of the Loretta yeah. Loretta Lynn song. <laughs> yes, uh, Coal Miner's Glove. Um, but like the other matches yeah. were like uh, Cage Match, um, yeah. Texas Death Match. Yeah. Um, there were a Lumberjack Match. Like anything would have been better, but it is really weird. Foley does say that the wheel wasn't gimmicked, and that's just what it ended, landed on, yeah. but that is, that's hard for me to believe. So, you know, the match, you know, obviously this is the very – at the time, very interesting match. You know, Jake Roberts was one of the biggest stars in the 80s. And, of course, Sting, one of the biggest stars in WWE. So, having a meet up was probably like a dream match for a lot of people. Um, you know, we, we're doing the gimmick because it's Halloween. And, we're you know, we're doing this gimmick for it. 
And it's supposed to be an unsanctioned yeah. match because of the bitter rivalry right. they had. But, you know, just like with a lot of times that happens, we got to add on extra bull crap we don't need. You know, we got Cactus coming out there. You know, we're giving him the snake. The snake backfires mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, the match is well wrestled and stuff. But, you know, we always have to have, like, this goofiness. Now, was there an official winner or Jake just left because he just got injured? Uh, I wasn't 100% sure on, on that. <laughs> um, they don't I, – I, I thought they considered Sting the winner. Yeah. But um, – I can't really see that they crowned a winner um, on the show itself. Um, according to the results, though, um, it Sting won. Okay. So not not too bad. I'll say, like, you know, it's just one of those things where I think they were trying to be too cute. It just didn't work out yeah. too well. But at least you had two big stars going out to each other. But, yeah, when it comes to DDP and Goldberg, my the match I had just had a r- huge, you know, Las Vegas big fight feel to it, so it's very hard to beat. Mm. So we're gonna have to give me the win on that one, brother. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So let's see the results of who <laughs> won the first ever lights out battle of the pay-per-views. Was it James Klein's nineteen ninety eight Halloween Havoc or was it Jay Allison's Halloween Havoc of ninety two? And the winner is it's a tie, brother. We tied. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Fucking, fucking, we tied like the fucking two, uh, <laughs> like the fucking <laughs> world title uh, <laughs> main event on 92, brother. We tied. <laughs> so, because we did, That's we had fantastic. Three, Matt, three, three of them went to me, three of them went to you, and we did the half when it comes to the. The Hogan match yeah. and the Barbarian match too. So that's the, tie, that's brother. pretty amazing because the, yeah. the show wasn't gimmicked. Well, no, I mean, it I wasn't really, gimmicked. I mean, yeah. really didn't know how it was going to turn out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like um, the thing is, I think if you had a stronger match to, to compare to the Hogan Warrior match, yeah, like I think yeah. you probably would have won this one. But yeah. there's no way I could have like gave you the full credit for the Barbarian and the fucking Ron Simmons versus <laughs> no, Hulk Hogan. I thought for sure, Warrior. you know. Yeah. You know, I thought I had you. I mean, yeah. honestly, when you said you're going to do 98, I'm like, okay, that's Hogan Warrior. I got this. Yeah. I got this. But, you know, hey, we, we ended up tying. I mean, you yeah. know. They had some strong matches. Sometimes. There were some yeah. strong matches on this 1998 card. Mm-hmm. So, and then you had some strong matches too. You know, you had very like longer matches and stuff, but very good quality. So, I think both shows yeah. uh, definitely hold up. Um, we had a lot of fun. You know, there's a couple duds in there. Yeah. But I think a lot of the, could, the two matches are hold up pretty you know, well. Yeah, I could argue that you got to throw out a, a couple of shitty matches, but you also threw out Ming, you know. Yeah. And that was a good match, so yeah. can't really argue with that because you could have brought Ming back in and it would have beat some of my, my matches too. So exactly. I don't know, so we tie. So we're gonna so at some point we're gonna have to do another lights out where we yeah. have a tiebreaker. Yes. So yeah, we'll definitely do a, the battle of the pay-per-views again. Um yeah, that was fun. Yeah, we might have to do maybe one on Starcade or something like that. We'll figure it out. Maybe the Royal Rumbles. We'll we'll, we'll figure it out. Whatever's a, a good a battle. And if you guys ever have any suggestions, just you know, email us or mm-hmm. you know, go on the Facebook page and let us know. Facebook. Yeah, let us know what kind of battles you guys are gonna do. But this was a lot of fun. I knew it was gonna be. So, um, but yeah, everybody, that's the first ever lights out battle of the pay per views. Doing the Halloween Havocs. We probably have to do this again next year. Maybe pick a different mm-hmm. Halloween Havocs. But this is uh, super fun. Uh, very much enjoyed the battles of the pay-per-views. Uh, but yeah, but definitely both different years. Um, 
yeah. definitely both different style content, but it's fun to show them back and forth of, of, of what's happening during the pro wrestling scene. But everybody, uh, we're going to be getting out of here on the lights out. Mm-hmm. Come join us next month for the Retro Blood. Retro Blood's back. We'll be doing some uh, cornfield style movies, uh, starting mm-hmm. off with the Children of the Corn. And, yep. uh, you know, check out this whole month if you guys, um, you know, haven't listened to Retro Blood before. Uh, we do 80s movies. Uh, we do, we, we talk about the particular 80s movies for a week. And then we talk about what's happening in pro wrestling and metal music around the release date of that movie as well. Yep. Uh, we do have a Facebook page, Retro Blood. Um, you can have the group page where you can comment on there, see some extras from the show, uh, some extras from the show, some extra stuff. You know, video-wise, um, you know, content-wise on there as well. Uh, we have the uh, Facebook uh, group page. Or maybe we have the uh, business page on there, I should say, where you can see all the, the episodes drop on there. YouTube page on there, too, which I'm going to add some more content here when I have the opportunity. And the mm-hmm. Instagram page as well, too. So we have all that shit out there. Everybody come listen to mm-hmm. us. Um, listen to the Lights Out, brother. Uh, the sister podcast. I always like doing these. These are super fun. Uh, we did one earlier this month for Halloween, the original Halloween, where we talk all about the original Halloween. So we just fucking, we just gimmick this stuff. We just go on here. You know what I mean? We just kind of roll with it. So it was very fun. Oh, yeah. But That's um, fun. There are straight gimmick shows. Oh, yeah. So everybody, happy Halloween. And uh, awesome. What do you think? Should we uh, should release some music at the end? What do you think? Yeah. What do you want to hear? <laughs> Let's see. I mean, I know I did talk about Nate Palm Death, but I really don't want to play them. Um, yeah. Let's see. What is a good track uh, that happened? You know what here? a good track would be to, to play today? Yeah, what's... Halloween by the Misfits. Ooh, perfect. Halloween by the Misfits, everybody. Uh, but they're actually touring right now, too. So anybody who gets to see the Misfits, I know they came to Dallas, I think it was yesterday. So anybody, check yeah. out the original lineup of the Misfits that's happening right now. But yeah, let's definitely listen to Halloween by the Misfits. I'm James Klein, Jay Allison, and we'll catch you guys later. Happy Halloween, guys. Well,